Once upon a time, there was a little girl who lived in a little village with a little family. On the day the little girl was born, three shooting stars crossed the sky and their glittering tails sprinkled stardust down on her head. Stardust is special. Its sparkle never fades. Stardust sees the light around it and makes it brighter. And so too would the little girl. This sparkly little baby would grow into a beautiful child with golden curls and big, curious eyes. When she laughed and smiled, which was most of the time, even the sun itself seemed to shine brighter. But more than anything, she loved to sing and dance. And when she did, everyone wanted to watch. They wanted to be near her and to share the glittering light that radiated everywhere she went. The little girl knew she had something special, and so she decided to leave the little village and share her specialness with the world. And for a while, it worked. She visited many kingdoms and everyone loved her. The people loved her so much that they made her a princess. She wore glittering gowns and lived in a palace, and her smile shone so brightly that the people in her path began to squint. And at first, they didn't mind. The little girl grew into a young woman, and she held her position with power and grace. But nothing lasts forever. All the princes in all the kingdoms wanted her attention, and to get it, they fought and lied. It seemed that everyone wanted a piece of what made the princess so special, and everywhere she went, the people would grab at her, trying to pull free a little piece of the bright light that surrounded her, to rub off the stardust that had landed on her skin so long ago and the princess became afraid. Soon the people realized that they didn't like to squint. Darkness spread over the land, heavy and thick like smoke. It crept into the eyes of everyone in the kingdom, turning them black with judgment and bitter spite. Their smoke-filled eyes became blind to everything they did not want to see, and so the people turned on the princess, screaming at her as she passed by. The princess could not escape, no matter how hard she tried. Her curious eyes grew hard and angry, and her golden curls fell to the floor in sheets. The sticky darkness clung to her, and so, without light, her stardust turned to ash and blew away. The princess, who had only ever been gentle and kind, snarled and growled, backing into corners and swiping at the people with her newly sharpened claws. From the lakes and forests, creatures emerged, big and strong, who locked the princess away in a tower while the people looked on, unable to see the monsters, and laughed. Then, one day, from the wreckage, and through the roar of the crowd, came a very small voice. Another little girl, who could still see the curious eyes that everyone used to love so much in the angry, smudged face of the once glorious princess. We're hurting her, she said. What? shouted the angry mob. She did this to herself. No, the girl said quietly. We did this. She's so scared, please stop. All the way from the window, high atop her tower, the princess looked down and locked eyes with the little girl. And in that moment, a tiny sparkle cut through the gloom. A cool breeze blew through the crowd and began to blow the smoke from the people's eyes. With the smoke gone, they looked around for the first time, 
and were able to see the creatures in the scorched earth. The people became silent and ashamed. They could not undo what they had done. It was too late. They turned to the little girl, and one brave soul whispered, What do we do now? The little girl looked back up at the princess in the window of the tower, where one tiny glimmering bit of stardust remained, and she knew what had to be done. She looked bravely into the crowd and said just three words. Set her free. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. To make you sad. <laughs> oh man! I know I, it made me sad to write it. <laughs> that was so good. I want like a little. I was. I had like a little cartoon going on in my brain. <laughs> good. That's yeah, great. You should. That's good. Oh. 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 But then when you said everybody wants a piece of her, I went into like a piece of me song. <laughs> but you didn't turn into she's so lucky <laughs> at any point. <laughs> Because I really wrestled with not saying that at any point. No, you did good. But not being like, her name was Lucky. (laughs) So anyway, we're talking about Britney Spears today. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. I know. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Hallie. Hey, Beans. Oh, baby, baby. Today's episode (gasps) is a little diversion from our normal true crime topics. Yes. But it's a story that's on everyone's mind right now. Um, And it took us a while to get to, but it is Britney time, bitch. (laughs) I'm trying to get all the puns in right now because later it's too distracting and I can't do it. Um, So we're talking about the rise, fall, and terrifying conservatorship of Britney Spears. And this was a hard one to write because technically, as of right now, there is no actual crime Mm -hmm. to discuss. Though when you really break it down, it feels like there were just hundreds of tiny crimes leading up to one big injustice. Right. And speaking of injustices... Yes. The summer hasn't done a great injustice to my skin already. Yeah, mine too. Ugh, I'm so dry. Mm-hmm. I'm always out in the sun just aging away. Mm. And no amount of sunscreen and big hats will ever help as much as a nice, healthy dose of, say it with me, what's that word? Validation. Validation. Very good. And the great thing about that is that all you guys out there can help. If you'd like to keep Leslie and I looking like the youthful vampires we all know that we are, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It only takes a moment, and it's the only thing that is really able to move this podcast forward. And we have some big plans in the works that we want you to be able to see, so validate away. Yeah, I think the friendly reviews are my favorite. Me too. I love a friendly review. They really make me, like, so much happier. For sure. (laughs) And if you want more We Would Be Dead in your life, you can also support us on Patreon, where for just an extra few dollars a month, well, not extra, you don't give us any, for just a few dollars a month, (laughs) you can get discounts at our merch store, extra monthly minisodes, our patrons-only monthly podcast, 30-minute horror movies, which will make its return this month. 
We had a little break. Hope (laughs) it's gonna. We definitely are. It took a little break, but we have plans for that too. Mm -hmm. So stay vigilant, patrons. There's stuff coming your way. Stay with us. We promise. Yeah, it's coming. We swear. Also, there's there's like gonna be Britney patron content. (laughs) There's no way there isn't gonna be. Um, and also you get an on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. And if all of that is just a little too much for you, you can simply share anything on our social media to your social media. Post about your favorite episode. Tell your friend. Tell your neighbor. Tell the lady at the Welcome Center you stopped out on your vacation because you really had to pee. And then your friends and that lady you don't know, but she seemed pretty nice, it's fine, can all become fiends and we can all hang out together. It's becoming difficult to find random people. That's fine. (laughs) I imagined her name was Barb. Oh, I like that. Barb's a good name for Welcome Center lady. Yeah. Does she have, like, mom energy, kind of? Yep, and she has short, gray, like, sandy gray hair. Nice, okay. Um, definitely wearing a polo and khaki pants with a belt. I think khaki long shorts. Oh, it's the summer, so for yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Very mm-hmm. good. You're, you're visualizing everything today. <laughs> yeah, this is also a, this is Barb at the Welcome Center in Maine that I met when I had to stop and pee. <laughs> See, that's a real person. Now I feel validated. Hey, Barb. (laughs) Barb, I hope you're listening. (laughs) And I am. I think that's about all I have in the way of announcements this week. Oh, 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 oh. The votes are in, and next week we will be covering the Brooklyn vampire Albert Fish. Leslie will hate it very much. I know nothing. I didn't even know he was a vampire, but you always bring him up. He's not a vampire. That's just his, like, nickname. He's also called the werewolf of Wisteria. Um, Pick one. He has, like, five names. They can't have it all. He's so bad. Okay. He's so gross, too. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it because you always bring him up, and I don't know why. Because he's stuck so many pins in his taint. That's like a crazy thing to do. Yeah. I know. Well, next week you're going to hear all about it. It's a good thing they didn't pick Chikatilo, though, because he also pulled out eyeballs. Wow. And we've really exhausted that for now. <laughs> well, Barb, you're in for a show next week. <laughs> Listen, Barb, <laughs> if this is your first episode, next week's going to really do you in. Um, <laughs> Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? Um, I'm just really excited. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's your your girl. I know. This is my, uh, I love Brittany. I loved your emotional photo essay about her concert today. I really it felt was great. that. <laughs> I went on the journey with you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and if you guys don't follow us on Instagram, you don't know what I'm talking about. No, you so missed it. Get over to at would be dead pod and follow us on Instagram because that's where you get all the pictures. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Then on with the show. We have so much to talk about this week, but don't worry if you're not a rabid Britney fan. I have approached this pretty academically, and Leslie has approached this pretty fan-based. Yeah. So, like, you get both sides of the coin. I feel that it's a story filled with useful information, familiar themes, and kind of a warning we'd all do well to heed. Mm -hmm. This feels very much like a cautionary tale at a lot of times to me. Um, But before we get into the messy bits, let's get a little Britney biography going. Okay. It'll be fun for a little while. All right, stretch it out. Yeah, let's do it. Brittany Jean Spears was born on December 2nd, 1981 to parents James Parnell Spears and Lynn Irene Bridges in Maycomb, Mississippi. Leslie, I know you have an absolute ton of pop culture for us today, but why don't you start out with this year, the year Brittany was born. And incidentally, I was born that year too, also in December. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a great time. Tell us about it. Sure. So my first fact is that Holly was born 
Uh, on December 27th. Yes, ma'am. You 1981. Right. <laughs> and her parents claim that that is not why they called her Holly. But they are lying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, MTV began on August 1st. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. Uh, which means that Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles was the first music video. I love that song. But the second music video, because no one ever talks about the second no, one. No, I only know the first. Was Pat Benatar's You Better Run. Ooh. Yeah. Pat Benatar's fun. I like mm-hmm. her. Prince Charles married Lady Diana on July 29th. Mm, sad. Weird Al Yankovic. Received a bachelor's degree in architecture at California Polytechnic State University. He also served as valedictorian of his high school at age 16. Isn't that Weird cool? Al. Yeah. All right. Which kind of makes sense because he is like a writer. Yeah, he's super smart. Yeah. Sandra Day O'Connor became the first female U.S. Supreme Court. Love it. Ronald Reagan was president. He Whatever. did a lot of things. Um, actress Natalie Wood... That's when she drowned to death after a long day of sailing with her husband, Robert Wagner, and friend Christopher Walken. But many believe this was not an accidental drowning. We'll cover that at some point. Mm -hmm. It is a crazy story. It is a very crazy story. Uh, Biggest pop stars at the time were Barbara Streisand, Air Supply, Hall & Oates, Neil Diamond, Olivia Newton-John, Phil Collins, Shaka Khan, Rick Springfield, Prince... Diana Ross, Ario Speedwagon, <laughs> and Dolly Parton. Dolly sneaking yeah, in there. Dolly sneaking in there. There's a lot. There's like Blondie. There's so many people. Oh, I love Blondie. Cool. Um, number one hits were Cool in the Gang Celebration. <laughs> I think people only ever like that song when they're in elementary school. If you're like eight, that shit is your jam. Oh, for sure. And like every New Year's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dolly Parton, nine to five. Yes. Ario Speedwagon, keep on loving you. Kim Carnes, Kim Kim Carnes. What was she saying? Betty Davis eyes. Oh, she's got Betty Davis eyes. Yeah, I love that song. The good one. Uh, Rick Springfield, Jesse's girl, came out this year. We all know that one. Everybody does. Olivia Newton-John's physical too, which is like so perfect for Britney. I feel totally. like, and you, I feel like that just. I do so much aerobics. Well, you like to. You like to dance. I do like to dance. That's true. Big movies were Raiders of the Lost Ark, Superman 2, and Chariots of Fire. And then the early 80s fashion is much different from the mid to late 80s. However, we see, we start to see more men using hairspray and styling their hair kind of like big and bold at this point. Big, bold hair. And before the colors get too wild like they do and like when we think of the 80s, the color scheme right now is more like browns, tans, and oranges. It's still the 70s, basically. It's still the 70s. They're just starting to get a little bit funkier. Why and not? so they still, they're starting to get like the blocky patterns and everything like that, but they're not quite there with like, it's an orange, but like not a bright orange. We haven't hit Saved by the Bell yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. So that was, um, that was 1981. What a good time. Inappropriate for Britney's beginnings, I believe. Yeah. Jazzy, energetic. Mm-hmm. And, like, pop was big right yeah, then. Yeah, pop was Because banging. we do, for a while, pop goes away, kind of. Yeah, so. before she actually starts, uh, we mm-hmm. had this conversation. Like, I remember being in high school, 
so for you that probably that was like middle school or mm-hmm. late elementary school and i remember it being like a bit the end of grunge and into that like you have to listen to like kind of ska music or whatever yeah. but if you listen to the pop type music you are lame right so <laughs> you know anyway Brittany was the middle child. She has an older brother named Brian James Spears, who was born in 1977 and is currently a television producer, and a younger sister named Jamie Lynn, who was born in 1991, who is an actress and a singer. Or was? I don't know that she does much anymore. Yeah, I don't know what she's currently doing. I don't know. I know she she's has a mom. Kids. Yeah. She had some issues with one of the kids, I think, but everything's fine now. There's no, not much information on her at this point in time. I mean, you can trace her career all you want. But also having a, simbli- a sibling in the home who was so much younger than the other children would really play into Brittany's like, life path later. Mm-hmm. So the Spears children were raised by their mother, Lynn, and father, Jamie, in Kentwood, Louisiana. Kentwood is a small rural town with no discerning features. It's always weird to come across a town whose Wikipedia page is like five sentences long. But it happens, and Kentwood is one of those towns. I can tell you that it was founded in 1893 by Amos Kent and that in 2010, 28.2% of the households had a female householder with no husband present. Oh. I thought that was a real strange fact to include in 2010 in the census, but here we are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So Lynn owned and operated a daycare in Kentwood and later went on to be a school teacher. She was from Mississippi and by all accounts really appears to have been a hard worker and a pretty um, involved mother for a while. Uh, Lynn doesn't have a rocky childhood or a lot of pre-Jamie trauma. Jamie, on the other hand, is like a little different. James Jamie Spears was born and raised in Kentwood, so he never left his hometown. Mm. His mother committed suicide on the grave of her infant son, his brother, when Jamie was just 13. Wow. That's gonna screw you up. Yeah. Wow. He was old for that then. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Jamie also survived a car accident that proved fatal for his football teammate when he was 17. So he was in the car with a mm-hmm. like team member, and they died, and he made it through. Mm-hmm. At 22, he was arrested on drug and uh, drug charges and driving while intoxicated. So he's got a past. Right. Lynn was also not Jamie's first wife, by the way. He was married to a woman named Debbie Sanders Cross first before he married Lynn in July of 1976. But the marriage was not always happy. Lynn filed for divorce in 1980, requesting a temporary restraining order, fearing that he would, quote, become angry when he is served with these papers and harass or harm her, quote, especially if he has been drinking alcoholic beverages, as he has done in the past. However, they reconciled and had Brittany the following year. So Brittany's dad already, like, from the jump, has a history of being angry, intimidating, abusive, and drunk. Wow. Yeah, and we haven't even started. Mm -hmm. So he may not be the greatest. So back to Brittany. Even as a child, she was seen as a performer from the start. She began dance classes at three, immediately earning solos in her recitals. Go, girl. Just a star immediately. By five, she was singing and snagged the coveted solo, What Child Is This? Yes. Kindergarten holiday pageant. (laughs) (laughs) That's I always like that one. Uh While the other children were playing Barbies and skinning their knees, Brittany was practicing. She was an ambitious child, earning medals in dance and gymnastics competitions and singing for her family at every holiday gathering. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Brittany said, quote, Ever since I was seven or eight years old, my mom would have company over, and I was always performing for everyone in front of the TV. Even when I went to school, I was always the weird child. I would go outside instead of playing. I wanted to have star search competitions. (laughs) 
I would have been her best friend. My <laughs> child does that. She's like, no, 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 no. I've written a whole script and I'm the director. We're putting yeah. on a play. That's recess. Yes. <laughs> it does sound fun, though. This studious nature and drive for success would pay off. It earned her her first major audition for Disney's all-new Mickey Mouse Club at just eight years old. Do you have any other little baby Britney facts before I move through? Mm, no. Okay, because I know you have a lot of other information. Yeah, no. Just checking in. I'll cut in when I need cool, to. Cool, cool, cool. Sadly, she didn't make the cut when she was eight, but that didn't deter her. Mickey Mouse Club casting director Max Casella really liked Britney, but told her she was too young. Mm-hmm. So sadly, he couldn't hire her, but he knew somebody who could. He introduced her to Nancy Carson, a New York City talent agent. Nancy was very impressed with Britney's singing and suggested enrolling her at the Professional Performing Arts School. Shortly after this, Lynn and her daughters moved into a sublet apartment in New York, and the boys stayed behind in Louisiana. I'm not as, I'm 100% sure why that divide happened. I think it was job-based, but you, you mentioned something about him possibly having gone bankrupt. I don't know when that happened or if it did because I just remember somebody saying that. But I feel like they stayed behind because she still had a brother that was in school and so was Jamie. She brought Jamie with her to New York. Oh, she did? But, mm-hmm. well. The brother got the, and the wrong end of the stick every time. Yeah. Money was tough for Lynn and the girls this time. And Lynn said they often had to, quote, rob from Peter to pay Paul or whatever mm-hmm. biblical thing she meant. I think this just refers to creative accounting. But it paid off. Brittany was hired for her first professional role as the understudy for the lead role of Tina Denmark. What a fun theatrical name. Yeah. In the off-Broadway musical Ruthless. Tina was played um, in the main cast by Laura Bell Bundy, who went on to originate the roles of Amber Von Tussle in Hairspray, one of Leslie's favorites, and Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, the musical. Laura Bell Bundy's other understudy was like a little nobody who went on to do nothing. I think her name was Natalie something... I think it's like Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah, Natalie Portman, I think. Yeah, anyway, I don't know who that is. What has she done lately? <laughs> <laughs> Around this time, Brittany also appeared as a contestant on the popular television show Star Search. So all her games paid off. Yes. And was cast in a number of commercials. She was just 10 years old at the time. Now, if you don't know what Star Search is, congratulations. You're very, very young. How is it not having any lines on your face? Your hair is probably very shiny. <laughs> Star Search was like American Idol, America's Next Top Model, So You Think You Can Dance, America's Got Talent, and Last Comic Standing all tied into one. Yes. Great job. Thank you. <laughs> Ed McMahon hosted it. And if you don't know what Star Search is, I am not about to launch into Johnny Carson and or Publishers Clearinghouse. So mm. look him up. Brittany sang Love Can Build a Bridge. <laughs> and her vowel sounds are insane. Yeah. Love can build a bridge. It's so good. It's so much. But she was a 10-year-old, and she sounded like a, like a 10-year-old torch singer. She yeah. had this, like, deep... Well, it's, it's a, it's, she has like a church voice. Yeah. Because she's she, sang in church all the she time. She did sing yeah. in church. She was a Southern Baptist too. Yep. So mm-hmm. like that was, she was really singing for Jesus. Yeah, they went every Sunday. So, you know, that's where she learned to sing. Mm-hmm. And at this point there's like, interestingly enough, when she is a child, she doesn't have that baby voice and she doesn't do the vocal fry at all. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what vocal fry is, it's, oh, baby, baby. <laughs> that's it. Unfortunately, she lost to a man named Marty Thomas, who none of us ever heard from again. Sorry, Marty. That's always the deal. I know. That was like, who did Adam Lambert lose to? I don't know. 
Right? We know Adam Lambert. We do. I love Adam Lambert. Mm-hmm. Watch it, somebody famous, and you and I just do not care. Was that? That wasn't. Remember Clay Aiken? <laughs> he didn't win either. He, he was second place. Right. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it Ruben? Yes, Ruben Stuttered won. Where is he in life? I think, yeah, I don't know. That was Adam Lambert the year. That was that little boy. That right? Was that the one with the little boy <laughs> with where the everyone. Deep, deep voice? Yeah, and everyone was like, I just feel like he's not done in the oven yet. <laughs> <laughs> was that him? It, it might have been. Yeah. You guys, let's be, tell us who won American Idol instead of Adam Lambert. <laughs> also, it should be noted that during the interview portion, Ed McMahon asked Brittany if she had a boyfriend, which totally knocked her off mm-hmm. her course, and then needled her about thinking that boys were mean. She was like, I don't have a boyfriend. Boys are mean. Mm-hmm. She's 10, and that's cute. And he said, I'm not a boy. I'm a boy. I'm not a boy. Oh, if yeah. you are Ed McMahon. He said, I'm a boy and I'm not mean, am I? He got like real mad about it. And the panic on her face is visible. Yeah. She like clearly didn't know what to say. This is just the first step down a long road of openly humiliating and misogynistic interviews that Britney is forced to endure. If my 10-year-old daughter was in a singing competition and the host just asked her about boys, she would not know what to do. No. She's 10. Don't act like you expect a child to be fucking. That is unacceptable. Ugh. She's like, what about boys? She's like, I want to, I just want to dance with some Mickey Mouse ears on. I know. She's like, I'm going to punch a boy. I don't care. Yeah. Anyway, the loss on Star Search was far from a career impediment, though. In December of 1992, she was called in to audition for the Mickey Mouse Club again, and this time she was cast alongside Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, and Carrie Russell. I know. This is like a star factory. It was a good cast. Mm-hmm. Safe to say that all of them did pretty well for themselves. Was it, wasn't JC on it for a little bit? Uh, Nick Carter was. Nick Carter. And okay. then he joined the Backstreet Boys and quit immediately. Right. Oh, right, because that, that's right, because I feel like Backstreet Boys started just before JC might have been, too. I mean, I, I only remember reading about Nick Carter. I know. I was going through the photos, and I couldn't remember seeing him, but I somewhat remember. I mean— but Ryan Gosling, right? So oh, that, that was where so Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling like grew up together because of yeah. that show. Because I guess Ryan Gosling came from Canada and so his polite. mom like like took in some of those kids to like stay with her. She Timberlake's like, mom them. Did? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. There's I love the picture, like the promotional picture of the Mickey Mouse Club with all of them in it. Because Ryan Gosling is making the face that Ryan Gosling still makes when yeah. he's like, I'm a sexy guy. Yeah. And he's like eleven. It's so good. It's great. I'll put it in the photo suite. It's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So if you're scratching your head over the Mickey Mouse Club, it was a Disney-produced variety show featuring an all-child cast. They did comic sketches. If you didn't have Disney Channel money, it was kind of like all that on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Live performances, music videos, and told jokes five days a week, and every day had a theme. There was also an adult host, but nobody cared about them. We were all in it for the Mouseketeers, which is what they called the kids. So if you want to watch a bunch of white kids dance around, boy, have I got a show for you. <laughs> Britney was cast in 1992, but by 1994, the show was canceled. I know. That's such a bummer. It really is. And it was devastating for Britney. She returned home to attempt going about life as a normal teenager for two years. She enrolled in Parklade Academy, a private Protestant school for K-12 through she went to formal dances and played basketball. I think she was point guard, if that means anything to anybody. It does. It means nothing to me. It meant so much to me. Were you point guard? <laughs> yes. Oh, there you go. 
<laughs> and that's why she like has a basketball in her first music video. Yeah. She's like, normal teens like me do this. <laughs> she tried as hard as she could to assimilate into a normal life, but it wasn't for her. In June of 1997, Britney was in talks with manager Lou Perlman to join the female pop group Innocence. Yes. Which is spelled in a crazy way on purpose because Lou and Justin Timberlake's mom, who came up before, I don't know why she's organizing a pop group, but she is. And not boys and not Justin, just random people. She just mm-hmm. jumped on board. Anyway, they didn't want the girls to sound like, quote, innocent four-year-olds. Because, yeah. you know, world-weary 15-year-olds. <laughs> I can't. You're more familiar with this story than I am. Well, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. They just wanted... I think that it was supposed to be a band that was almost, um, that was under NSYNC. So I think NSYNC was also, like, the members of that, of all of those guys were going to get a percentage. Weren't they going to be their girl? Wasn't it like their girlfriends oh, were in yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So the band was made up of all of their girlfriends and, or friends, because mm-hmm. obviously some of them didn't have girlfriends, oh. so... The best one. Yes. (laughs) But so Brittany was brought in because she knew Justin and um, and JC already. And and so she was brought in because of that. But they weren't dating then at that point. Lance does confirm this because Justin has another date, has another girlfriend. Her name is Victoria. And she is who will actually join the band when Brittany does not. But there are photos of Britney with Innocence. Like, there's initial photos. We can put some in the photos. Yeah. Well, those, those are fun. The older mm-hmm. pictures are fun. So we'll we'll find some of them. And clearly, Britney, Britney didn't stay in this group for long. And don't get me started on Lou Pearlman. He formed the Backstreet Boys and InSync and bled them financially dry for, like, a really long time. Mm-hmm. He, he paid himself as though he were a member of the band in each case. Right. So he he was like the sixth member of NSYNC. So he got a sixth of all of their money, which is insane. Yeah. Just a fun fact. He's awful, but he doesn't play a huge part in the story. So moving on. Lynn, Brittany's mother, asked a family friend and entertainment lawyer, Larry Rudolph, for his opinion and submitted a handful of pictures and a tape of Brittany singing to a Whitney Houston karaoke track. I have undecided feelings about Larry Rudolph. I know. I go back and forth. Because in some ways, he seems like he actually is concerned for her. And in some ways, he seems kind of slimy. Well, he is still a manager. Mm-hmm. And they're always going to be a bit slimy. Of course. But I do feel like he... I do feel like he cares. I do too. And I think there is that weird level of like, this is somebody that makes me money. Mm-hmm. But I also really like this girl. Yeah, I think so I too. I don't and, think he's uh, all bad. No. No, but yeah, I do. I go back and forth too. He's a he does one. a lot of good things, but he then does. he also doesn't step up at certain times either. Also true. So some people say he's part of the problem. Some people say he's part of the solution. We'll probably talk more about him later, but we'll just put a pin in it for now. Larry knew a hit maker when he saw one and had Britney make a demo tape in a professional studio. That tape went with her to New York, where she was turned down by a few labels that claimed, quote, nobody wants girls. Mm-hmm. It was all about boy bands at that point in time, and they told her there would never be another Madonna or Tiffany or Debbie Gibson. Because of all of those archetypes, the boy band is the most stable and enduring. (laughs) Everyone can fuck all the way off. Never tell a 15-year-old girl that nobody wants girls. Mm -hmm. What a terrible thing to say. And then, then they wonder later why she's so messed up. Right. 
But with cast iron constitution, Britney soldiered forward. Two weeks later, executives from Jive Records returned calls to Larry Rudolph, and senior vice president Jeff Fenster said about Britney's audition that, quote, it's very rare to hear someone that age that can deliver emotional content and commercial appeal. For any artist, the motivation, the eye of the tiger, is extremely important, and Britney had that. She was subsequently signed to the label, and they assigned her to work with producer Eric Foster White for a month. He reportedly shaped her voice from that, like, soulful torch singer, love can build a bridge, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the um, distinctively, unmistakably Britney sound, which I have mixed feelings about because her voice is famous, but it isn't super healthy. Listen to her talk now. Mm -hmm. It's different than when she was younger. Not only was she basically encouraged to sing less, because that's what she's doing. She speaks singing half of it in this, like, sexy voice. But she was also conditioned to sound more like a child because it's sexier. Mm-hmm. Just, like, sit with that for a now, minute. Now, is that, like, is this an actual fact, or is this part of, like, the conspiracy of what that guy did? Because He did do this. Because this is- Brittany also takes full credit for, like, how she is going to sing Hit Me Baby one more time. Like, where she gets her she, vibe from. Before she started singing any of those songs, she trained with this guy. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They said she, they listened to her sing that Whitney song, and they were like, you're good, but this ain't it. Mm-hmm. And so she worked with this guy to develop a sound that was unique from other female singers. So I'm sure she had input. Right. But she was also a child, and this is a man with— Enormous marketing experience that was right. shaping someone that would make money. But he doesn't come back into the equation after this. Okay. He just get like was like, if you do these kind of things, this is going to be better for your career. And then okay. sayonara. So I do think he had a hand in shaping her voice, yes. But from there on out, she did, okay. she did it herself. But also, like, they did encourage her to sound like a sexy baby, which I don't like. It makes me upset. <laughs> so after hearing all of her, like, recorded demo stuff— the president of Jive ordered a full album, which brings us to 1998, when we finally start to see Britney star shine. She releases her first album, Baby One More Time, at this point, and she's performing in shopping malls day in and day out, slowly working up crowds, and is set to open for Sync on their tour. So, Leslie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Baby One More Time? Sure. We okay. know it is like has like the most famous iconic music video ever. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so good. Okay. So, it... Um, It was written by this guy, Max Martin, and Britney actually went to Sweden to record this album. She goes to Sweden a lot. Like, I don't know that people realize that, but she— in any of my—wow. Because this—she works with this guy, Max Martin, who is Swedish, and that's where he lives, and that's where his studio is. So she she goes there quite often. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure it's lovely there. Yeah. Um, But—so it was actually originally the song, Hit Me Baby, One More Time was originally for TLC, and they passed it Oh, up. really? Yep. I so cannot, she took it. Can you imagine them singing that song? No. No. <laughs> Which is probably why they passed on it. They're yeah, like, yeah. This, this isn't us. Incorrect. <laughs> I think also I read somewhere that it was also given to the Backstreet Boys as well, <laughs> and they turned it down. Yeah, of course. So they gave it to Britney, and she liked it. And this is why. So the song doesn't really make sense you know, hit me baby one more time. You're like, what? So it's really supposed to be like, hit me back, you know, like call me back or like, oh. I'm gonna, yeah, like come at me. Is that whatever. widely known? I, I, this it's, is, I mean, it should be, it's but not. it's because he's Swedish. And so he just got his translation wrong. 
So there's a lot of that in some of her songs sometimes, which I, I think would, they've worked out. I love that. I would love on. to like sit here and just think about all of them in like a Swedish accent with a yeah. language barrier. That's really funny. <laughs> oh, no. And so before she recorded that song, she was listening like the night before. She had been listening to Soft Cell's Tainted Love nice. a lot over and over again. And she liked, she loved how sexy it sounded. She thought it was really cool. And she also decided she wanted to get that voice in it. And so she says that she <laughs> went out that night so that she could wake up tired <laughs> to sing this song and get the right vibe, Girl. is how she says. Because she wanted this sexy, rusty, breathy sound. And she got it. She sure did. And I fucking loved it. She nailed it. <laughs> You love a very sexy baby. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, so Britney, for me, I was in sixth grade, and this song comes out with the with the album, and I was this. I also went to I went to Catholic school, so I had to wear a uniform. And so when the video came out, and she's in this Catholic schoolgirl uniform, I was like, "This is me." And then she had a basketball, and I was like, "This is also me." All of it is you, and it was great. And this was also the first year from when I went from fifth grade to sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I no longer had to wear the jumper. Mm-hmm. So I could tie my shirt. And not that I did because my mother would frown upon that. And also I would have gotten detention, which we all did. <laughs> you didn't unbutton the top to see your whole bra like oh, Brittany? No, because we all also wore like undershirts. So like <laughs> even if we did, it was Bless. just like a ribbed tank <laughs> underneath <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Which... For the talent show that year. Oh, no. (laughs) I do like this story. My friends had decided to do this dance, and I opted not to join them because I was like, we are going to get in trouble. Too risque. Because I was like, I just know they are not going to be okay with this. You know, like, it is great. I know the dance, but we are not going to do it. And they get up there, and they do tie their shirts, but (gasps) they keep their ribbed tanks tucked into their skirts. Oh, no. They also rolled their skirts really high. Oh, yeah. Of course, which we all That was a very, like, 90s thing to do. yeah. I mean, well, it's a very Catholic school thing to do. It's like you just roll your skirt when you can. (laughs) And then you unroll it real quick when (laughs) the sister goes by. Oh, no, not the sister. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I just thought that was really funny because they all looked horrible on stage. Not sexy at all. Oh, no, But they all got in trouble for being too sexy and causing a scene, which I actually think, like, also ruined our innocence at that point, too. Oh, no, not that innocent. (laughs) But, yeah, so that was that. Um, This album also gives us uh, You Drive Me Crazy. And do you remember that movie? I have mentioned it, (laughs) yes, because— Full disclosure, I love that movie. Yes, it's fucking great. <laughs> Fine, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, pre entourage, Adrian Grenier, perfect. Oh, designated Dave, <laughs> such a crush on him. <laughs> designated Dave, that's a throwback. Yeah, I think he's like a famous director now. It's, I Good think it's for Weber. Him. Weber, yes, yeah. What's his last first I name? I don't know, but that does sound very correct. Yeah. <laughs> Designated Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, okay, so I also wrote this down, too. So the music video for Baby One More Time yes. was shot in the same school as that was used for Greece. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yep. And um, the concept 
for that for that album was actually supposed to be more cartoonish, like more childlike. Oh, I read that. It was yeah. supposed to be it was supposed to be animated at was, one point. The yeah, video. like they thought maybe animated or like a little styles of that yeah. in and out. And um, but Britney wanted because she had also gone to a private school. Her brother did. Like they wore these uniforms, so she had yeah. in her head like this is what I did. So mm-hmm. I want to wear the the uniforms, and I want there to be like a lot of dancing because that's what I do. And so they got the schoolgirl costumes, and then she was also like, let's tie them up because it'll be, like, let's be less dorky and more cute. <laughs> cute my ass. And she can move around better in them. But she, yeah, she, like, really set that one up, and they said that none of the costumes cost more than $17 by the end That's of it. That's <laughs> amazing. She wore, like, track pants and a yellow yeah. crop top. Which I always feel like she had such a say in this video. Like, she turns it around, mm-hmm. and this is, like, a thing that she does constantly with the videos. Like, she's, they do ask her, like, okay, what's your concept? And they go with it because she's cool. always right. Her videos are so good. We should do the dance. <sighs> right now. No, not right now. <laughs> Another time, but we should. And if we do, we'll record it for you guys. Um. Okay, so when you drive me crazy, Wade Robbins. Robinson. Wade Robson. Ra- Robson. I always say Robinson. Wade Robson was a dancer on it. Oh. Um. This also has Sometimes and Born to Make You Happy, which is, like, a fan favorite. I love that song. I don't know that song. I'm not the best fan. You're going to have to live. You don't know that one? I don't think so. I was born to make you happy. Nope. Always and forever you and me. That's the way (laughs) our life should be. Still no. (laughs) (laughs) But you did try really hard, and I applaud that. All right. Excellent. So, is this yeah. going to be like a three-hour podcast? Yep, it is. <laughs> um, on June 28th, 1999, Britney began her first headlining tour with uh, the Baby One More Time album in North America, but it was not without its controversy as critics and moms the world over were concerned that Britney's racy outfits and sexy dancing would be a bad influence on her young fans. I will remind you that nobody was mad at the wet t-shirt contest that Backstreet Boys had released a year earlier. Yeah. You know the video where Nick Carter mopes in the back with his bowl cut stuck to his face because they made him keep his shirt on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun fact. I, when I was writing this, I was like, I know they had wet button-down shirts or something in one video. I couldn't figure out what it was. So it took me like a like couple songs, and then I found it. And I so I watched it, because of course, why wouldn't you watch it? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop laughing at the fact that like, Nick Carter was in the back with his shirt on and his hair plastered to his face. Oh, my god! He just looked really sad. And he was a cute one. I don't understand. I know. Oh, well. But that was fine because they were boys. Yeah. So they could. Sure. That, that whole video was just like man nipples. That's all you see. <laughs> so Britney's now a legitimate celebrity. We just talked about You Drive Me Crazy. Um, used her song as the title track. Um, and in June of 2000, Britney released her second album, Oops, I Did It Again, to rave reviews. It debuted at number one in the U.S., selling 1.3 million copies and breaking the Nielsen SoundScan record for the highest debut sales by any solo artist. Woo! It sold over 20 million copies worldwide to date, and uh, that makes it one of the best-selling albums of all time. And I really like this quotation. Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone said, quote, The great thing about Oops! Under the Cheesy Surface is that Britney de- is Britney's demand for satisfaction is complex, fierce, and downright scary, making her a true child of rock and roll tradition. So that's confirming your statement about how she like really shaped what she was. Mm-hmm. And we should the reason we're giving you all this backstory is that you should it bears noting that she is very much in control of her life, mm-hmm. and she's intellectually 
driving herself forward. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Oops, I Did It Again before we move forward? Sure. Okay, so this is the album where she has her first co-writing, what is that called? Like her, she writes her, she co-writes her first song. Great. Good job, Brittany. (laughs) Which is Dear Diary, and it's at the end, and it's so good. This album also has Lucky on it, and this is where we really start to hear Brittany talk in her songs a lot. Sing less, talk more. Yep, that was so good. It's my favorite. (laughs) She loves it. I love it. (laughs) It's good. Um, And then we also get the Oops, I Did It Again video, which is fantastic. Really good. And it has Titanic in it, and it's so wonderful. (laughs) She wears that orange latex outfit, right? Great. Oh, And that's like where she starts to wear those, um, like the one-piece jumpsuits, and she's just so good in a one-piece jumpsuit. She's good in everything. But, okay, so in this video, and I mentioned this to you earlier. Okay. But. In this video of, uh, so during the making of on MTV. Okay. When they are doing the part where all the dancers are on the ground and they're like doing all their movements. Mm-hmm. And I think she's in the beaded, like, yeah. like diamond yeah, look. Yeah, we'll, That's we'll this look. touch on that later. Okay. So she's in this look, which I love this look. But <laughs> she, a vi- one of the cameras falls on her head. Oh my God. <laughs> so this might be something we bring back up in our conspiracy theory. Not yeah, this is our our personal conspiracy theory yeah, is going to come back to this later. <laughs> we just figured it out like 45 minutes ago. Just FYI. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that happened during that video, but again, that was another one that she came up with a lot of ideas for, especially with Lucky and also the that other group Dream. I don't do you remember them? They Vaguely. were a girl group. Yeah. Girl group. Uh, they had a song that was called He Loves You Not. Oh, loves yeah, yeah. Loves me. He loves he you loves not. not. Yeah. Yep. And that song actually was originally for Britney, but she oh. passed it up on this album. That's good. She was like, no, thank you. Yeah. But this was also where she, this was the year where she wore like bell-bottom pants, platform sneakers, and a crop top with that like blunt bob. I was and here I for that look. That I really, look. I wore a lot of that outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> So this is also the point in time when the paparazzi really began to glom onto Britney. Mm-hmm. Photos of her are very popular in magazines and fetch top dollar. Not only that, but she's sweet and pleasant. She seems to like having her picture taken and is always quick with a smile. I remind you all that she is 18. So she's a kid. Of course she likes having her picture taken. On September 7th, 2000, Britney performed at the 2000 MTV Video Music Awards, and halfway through the performance, she ripped off her tracksuit to reveal a sequined, flesh-colored bodysuit. Yes. We all remember that moment. And this was followed by, like, a crazy dance routine. Now, this is a standout Britney moment, if ever I've heard one. It is noted by critics as the moment Britney began to show signs of becoming a more provocative performer. Although I think she always had it. It was always there. It was always there. I don't know why <laughs> I think they— she just was getting older. Yeah, okay. She was just aging into herself. Yep. (laughs) This just seemed to have, like, more visible skin, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Amidst the media speculation, Britney also confirmed that she was dating Justin Timberlake. And she bought a home in Destin, Florida. Because I guess no one told her she could live in L.A. Yeah. Or anything about Florida. (laughs) In January of 2001, Britney performed as a special guest in the Super Bowl halftime show, headlined by Aerosmith and NSYNC. I remember that really well, too. Mm-hmm. And then in February of 2001, she signed a $7 to $8 million promotional deal with Pepsi. Her Pepsi commercials were also amazing. Always. Yep. Um, her self-titled third studio album, Britney, was released in November of 2001. 
Do you have any Britney information for us? I know this well, is so very before, like so before that though, she did she hosted SNL. Oh, okay. She had her that was her first time she hosted so they, and like, was had the her musical guest in the opening or something. Oh, I can't remember which one because she remember. did it twice. Okay, she was um, this time she was the host and the musical guest, mm-hmm. and then the next time I think she was just the musical guest. Okay, but she was I always loved those episodes. Okay. So this album had the I'm a Slave for You song, yes. which is a lot of people's favorite and their, like, favorite performance of her, too. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and this is where we do see her. Uh, I think this is where she definitely shows a more mature, like, side mm-hmm. and sound, too. Um, and this is really the album where she's just like, I'm growing up. I'm an adult, but you still see me as, like, this tiny little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she does write a lot more songs on this album too, like co-writes a lot. And there is a song on the album that Justin Timberlake and Wade Robson write together. Ooh, we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, but Justin and her also wrote a song together, which was cute. Um, and then this album also covers the I Love Rock and Roll, which was used in her movie Crossroads. Which I'm very excited about. Are we going to talk about Crossroads Yeah, a I mentioned bit? it briefly. Okay. I know nothing, so you get to fit okay, out. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll mention just a little bit on that. Cool. So at this point, um, interviewers at multiple national outlets also ask her in front of crowds if she's a virgin and oh, demand yeah. she explain her policy on premarital sex. Ew. There's four, like three or four of them where they're like, I remember are you that. a virgin? When are you not going to be a virgin? And this is in front of like full court press. I don't understand how that was ever okay. Mm-mm. It's insane. And then she awkwardly had to answer like, I am a virgin. I'm going to wait till I'm married. Which was a load of shit, but that's fine because that's what you needed no, to No, she was dating Justin forward. Timberlake, of you course. You were fucking Justin Timberlake. Let's, <laughs> it's fine. We would have all fucked Justin Timberlake. Don't worry about it. Even when he had that ramen noodle hair. That was stupid. <laughs> also, meanwhile, no one gives a single shit what Justin Timberlake thinks about premarital sex. And when they do, it's only to high-five him about fucking Britney because he couldn't keep his mouth shut and had to tell people about it anyway. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Interviewers would also freely ask Britney in a public forum if her breasts were real. Yeah. Side note, if you feel comfortable asking a teenager if their breasts are real, you have to re-examine your life. It's just wild the things that they would ask at this point. In public? And expect her to just answer with, like, they totally take it on the chin. Or they were trying mm-hmm. to embarrass her. Both right. are bad. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I watching these interviews, I was just speechless. I didn't, I can't imagine them asking. Like, I do think that we have evolved beyond doing that. Oh, now. of course. Well, that's the thing. That's why we're so shocked now. But yeah. I don't remember being, I remember rolling my eyes, mm-hmm. but I remember not knowing that I should be shocked. Yeah, no, me neither. I was like, oh, yeah, you, you should be a virgin. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Why would you train me to think that way, media? Anyway, things are about to get hairy, so I'm going to take a pause and check in with the adults in Britney's life for just a minute. For the most part, Britney had been supported and encouraged by her mother, with her father tracing along silently in the background. He does not play a huge part in her career or life. No. Until later on, obviously, but, like, he's really background, and he doesn't even travel with them. I, there's a hairdresser that was with her mm-hmm. for— um, I think from 2000 or maybe 1998 to 2004. Mm-hmm. And she said that she had never, she had only seen Jamie Spears once. Oh my God. And that Brittany had only mentioned him once or twice. And it was just saying like, oh, my dad was an alcoholic. He's not really around. 
Yeah. And that was it. She that's how she was with her almost every day. Yeah, no, he was he's was not it. a presence. Yeah. He's not around at all. When Britney left home to record her album and then embark on a nationwide tour, like her first album, her mother couldn't even go with her because Jamie Lynn at the time was just five years old and needed Lynn at home to raise her. Britney's dad was a welder and a contractor and couldn't leave his job for long stretches of time, apparently. And he didn't even move to New York with the girls during the Mickey Mouse Club thing, which we talked about. So faced with this unique problem, Britney's mother asked her good friend Felicia Collada to travel with Britney and be her chaperone. Now Felicia, having just quit her job, agreed to take on the position for three months, but ended up never looking back. She's adorable. I love Fee. Oh, you should. She traveled with Brittany as a chaperone, a companion, a guardian, and a personal assistant. If anyone saw Brittany day to day and her behavior, it was Felicia. And what's interesting about that is that Felicia has no, does not think that this, what we come to later, the conservatorship stuff, she has no idea why that's happening to her. Right. And she's the one who saw her all the time. Mm-hmm. Brittany's father, however, was rarely in the picture. So Brittany's third album was a critical success, winning Grammy and MTV Music Awards. Britney's performance of um, I'm a Slave for You at the MTV Video Music Awards featuring a caged tiger and a large albino python draped over her shoulders. The only time I'd watch a python. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll never forget that one. That is my favorite Britney, 100%. So that made a big splash. PETA got real mad. They were like, "Mm, don't use animals. She and Justin Timberlake were very serious at this time. I remember she did like late night shows talking about how they like loved each other. Mm -hmm. And she was so cute and excited about it. They appeared everywhere together. Remember when they went to the AMAs in matching denim formal wear? I do. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I knew that was bad even then. But it's still, people love it. It was, it was sure an did. iconic look. It was. Brittany also landed her first starring role in Crossroads, released in February of 2002. So full disclosure, I have not seen Crossroads <laughs> because I heard it was awful. But Justin Long is in it, so how bad yeah. could it be? Yes, it's okay. Tell so me more. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but it's also a good movie. Like okay. you, we're gonna watch it, and you're going to enjoy it. Okay, I'm okay. on board. It was written by Shonda Rhimes. What? Yes, who is the? If anybody doesn't know, is the creator and writer of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. Wow. Yep. And so originally, and Crossroads. In Crossroads, obviously, but so she wrote this, and it was. Um, it was supposed to be a lot grittier initially. It's, like, very gritty. She wanted it more, like, it's it's a dark story that she wrote. Weird. Okay. And, but she had this script, and then the whoever it was got it, and Brittany at the time was wanting to get back into acting, and she really liked doing that. Mm. So they brought this script to her. I don't know why, but they, but they did. And she from what I know, wanted to play, which you won't know this, but there's another character. There's three girls in it. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to play the girl that gets pregnant in there. Okay. In it, which is like she's still kind of a main character, but uh, more of like a side character. Yeah. But she really connected with this story. She just liked it. Okay. I think she thought it was going to be more of like a dramatic role okay. too. yeah. But they wouldn't let her do that. They were like, no, you're the fucking pop star. You're going <laughs> to— yeah. You're going to be the lead. You're going to be the lead and you're going to like yeah. it. And um, so when they made her the lead, then that's when like the, the story got a little less gritty. It's still mm-hmm. it's still there. There's still a lot of things happening. It's just a bunch. Is, it's just about girls hanging out. Is she in love with Justin Long? You, we're going to have to watch the movie. This is a Justin Long fan podcast. So. 
It's been a while since I watched it. We were supposed to have already watched it. By we're now. gonna watch it. Also, you can't find it anywhere, but really? I did find a friend that does have it on DVD, so I'm gonna bring it over. We're gonna watch an actual hard copy yeah. DVD. Wow. Okay. And one more really cute fact about this bring is it when on. she was on set, so everybody loved her. Shonda Rhimes talks about how pleasant she was and how down to earth she was, and mm. and they'd like go for coffee runs, and she was just like, "I'm gonna go get my own coffee. I like picking out what I want." She loves a Starbucks. <laughs> she loves a Starbucks. And she also would request on set edamame and tuna Lunchables as snacks. Lunchables? Yeah. That's really cute. Yeah. All right. Crossroads. So in March of 2002, after three years of dating, Brittany and Justin's relationship ended in a rather public and tumultuous manner. The rumor was that Brittany had been cheating on Justin with their mutual friend, choreographer Wade Robson. Oh, Wade. Wade, 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 Wade. First of all, he is a world-class choreographer and dancer. Truly, look up his credits. He's done he's done an insane amount of stuff. And he still choreographs all the time. He choreographed Britney's Pepsi videos, the I'm a Slave for You video, several of her and InSync's tours. He's amazing. And lest you not connect the dots, he is also one of the two men involved in the Michael Jackson expose documentary, Leaving Neverland. Wade was groomed and raped by Michael Jackson so much as a child. He just, I just, I kind of wish these two worked out because he really needs some love. I know. They could have just danced and been happy. I know. Wade's wife yeah. is a choreographer too. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's working through it. Right. But still. Mm-hmm. In response to this alleged situation, um, and, and Wade Robson does talk about it in the documentary, the Michael Jackson one, he is, and he's very classy about it. He's like, yeah, Brittany and I got along really well, whatever. Justin also releases his song, Cry Me a River, the video for which shows a woman who looks exactly like Britney having a salacious affair with a guy who looks suspiciously like Wade. While Justin Timberlake gets, like, real sad and sings in his falsetto in a corner or something. (laughs) The general public took Justin's side. No surprise there. And Britney was left being slut-shamed in every periodical known to man. I know. Oh, this made me so mad. I was so mad at Justin. And you were on the right side of history because I was like, how dare she cheat on Justin Timberlake? No. What if he was awful? We don't know. In August of 2003, Britney opened the MTV Music Video Awards with Christina Aguilera performing like a virgin. Halfway through, they were both joined by Madonna, whom they both kissed. And Britney had like a little tongue action going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this was like publicized like crazy. And it's like a further smear campaign against Britney to be like, you're immoral. Look at you, you big lesbian. I know, but nobody questioned Christina. Exactly. <laughs> nobody said anything about Christina. One, because I don't know that they cared as much. And two, because Christina was, isn't this right in the middle of her being like, Dirty. I know. They were like, yeah, Christina's going to do that. That's, but. that's your life. It's fine. <laughs> um, but but they still didn't. And and they played the clip of just Britney kissing Madonna a hundred times. That's the only photo you can find, It too. is. And she's, Madonna's standing in the middle of them. She turns to her right side, kisses Christina, turns to her left and kisses Britney. You can only see the Britney photos. Yeah. And everybody's like, it was way sexier. Oh, Which yeah. it kind of was. But. It, it was. Brittany got it. But got they were also close. They were, like, friends at this point. Yeah, they were, like, doing Kabbalah stuff together. Yeah. She joined the Kabbalah. <laughs> for, for a minute, she was like, she, where's my red bracelet? It's time for the Kabbalah. I like when she had to, like, a couple years later, she, like, announced that she's oh, like, yeah. I'm no longer in the Kabbalah. She, did. she was like, never mind. I don't want that anymore. <laughs> um, so during all of this catastrophic nonsense, Brittany released her fourth studio album, In the Zone, in November of 2003. Do you have some In the Zone facts? Yeah, she co-wrote all but four songs on this album. 
job, Brittany. Yeah. I just like to mention this because sometimes I feel like at first I knew that songs were written for her. Right. But then as she continues to go mm-hmm. along, she is in the writer's room with them coming up with concepts Good. and writing songs. And that's what she wanted to do. Good. Um, so, again, taking more control over her album. She did have a lot of control, and that's, mm-hmm. again, the point here. She was. This is not someone who is, like, shame spiraling out of control. She's, like, really carefully curating her career and existence. Absolutely. Um, so this album is Where We Get Toxic, which oh, so good. is Britney's favorite song is of hers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and also the video is great, and it's just that song is so good. It is. I like to roller skate to that song. Yeah, right? Um, She also writes a masturbation song on this album. (gasps) Girl! The Touch of My Hand. And it's actually, when you, like, read the lyrics, they're very, like, to be a a young woman, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm, I can be strong. It's a very empowering song. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) But it's just, just in general, it's just, like, learning your body. It's a very nurturing, I would say it's a very nurturing song. Tell everybody Like, obviously, there, it's, there's a sense of sexiness to it because it's a masturbation song. But also it's just this song that she co-wrote and was just like, I this is my body and I'm very comfortable with it. Good for Which you. is the main thing about Britney, I think, and as with a young girl, is like we saw instantly how comfortable she was in her body, which right. is very yeah. abnormal for us. And intimidate like people don't know what to do with that. No. That's why a lot of people's immediate response was to dislike her. It's intimidating for adults, but it's really empowering for young girls. Young girls who choose to see it that way and the other half get have already paid attention to society and are like, You're bad. Well, yeah, but the ones that were inspired by her, I mean, that yeah, was which like is great. that was the thing. Cause I and that's what I got from her. I just I was obsessed with how she could move and how much control she had. See, I think that's the generational gap between us because you were able to see her more as an inspiration, and I was trained to see her as like slutty and yeah. something you couldn't, you wouldn't want to be near. I mean, I definitely I went to Catholic school. I hundred percent right. was not supposed to like her. I didn't have that from like parents. It was more like yeah. peers. Yeah. So, hmm. which sucks because well, no, I didn't get that from my parents. I was from my like teachers and yeah, stuff. No, I mean, this I guess. Been like friends, people were like, "Oh no, she's a terrible slut. Yeah. You don't want to like her." Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Well, so she yeah. also has the her other single, which is "Every Time." And this video is interesting because so this is the song that she writes in response to Justin. Say, that's the Timberlake yeah. one, right? And originally, so the video is where she is. She's trying to get away from the paparazzi, and there's like a guy that she's with who isn't really paying a lot of attention to her. And then she gets home and takes a bath and and starts to bleed out into the bathtub. And I can't remember if it's like from a what? wound in her head or like her wrist. Head but there's, wound. But oh, there's no. blood. I know. <laughs> but there's blood coming out like she like she did it. You oh, know. No. Um. That was the sense that I originally got. But the guy, then that guy that she was with, runs into the bathroom and sees her and like scoops her it's up. Wade, and, he saves her. Yeah. I love Wade. <laughs> and. Um, they take her to the hospital, but they can't resuscitate her. So she then dies. Oh, no. But, this is dark. Well, yeah, but th- in the next room, a woman was giving birth to a baby. So it was like she was reborn. Originally, Brittany just wanted she wanted it to be a suicide scene. Oh, she God. wanted to get in the tub and commit suicide and that she died. But they were just like— the label was a little bit nervous that they were going to be, like, glorifying suicide. Well, so they made her reason. change it. Yeah. So they, like, changed that up. But that was, like – I mean, again, that's, like, such a dark – She's really she dark. Was, she's in a dark place now. 
Like that, she is. She's gotten. Well, we're there. standing at the precipice. We are right standing now. at the precipice, and and some shit is about to happen. Oh, it is. Oh, <sighs> so, yeah, so that was that album. Acclaimed journalist Diane Sawyer would interview Britney shortly after her album release. I have so many feelings about this, and take the opportunity to ask her, "quote Where her clothes were," and tell her that she broke Justin Timberlake's heart and did a very bad thing to him, and then claim that she was a terrible influence on little girls. She also opened the interview with a lengthy and garish photo montage of Britney's exposed stomach, calling it the most valuable real estate. In America. I hated that. It's Oof. disgusting. This interview is um, is real hard to watch now. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at it, oh, I, it's, it's such a character assassination. It's just making her look like a terrible slut that ruined men's lives and, and encouraged girls to be terrible. And it's not what she was even a little bit. And she had no legs to stand on because Diane Sawyer is this older, respected journalist. And she's this younger girl going through like a horrible breakup. And she made her cry. Mm-hmm. Brittany openly cries for a while and also admonishes herself for crying. Is that the interview where she goes, yeah. ew, when she's crying? Because she does yeah. not want to be crying. Mm-hmm. It's it's terrible. Now, I'm not worth a tinker's damn to Diane Sawyer, but I will never hold respect for her again because there have been zero apologies made yeah. about this interview. That's wild. Everyone else has apologized. Diane Sawyer will not comment. And what she did to a young female star in front of millions of people was insidious. Mm-hmm. She left Britney sobbing. She saw a shot. She saw somebody she could cut down, and she did it. Yeah. And that's gross. That was also the interview where she brings up what that senator's wife said, that Republican Oh, where she said senator. she wanted to shoot Britney Spears? Yeah. And Britney was like, that, that's insane. She said, that's awful. That's yeah. awful. She, like, didn't know how to process this information. Wait, Why and would she? Like, she? Couldn't believe, but, and she couldn't believe. I could see it in her eyes because she's looking at Diane Sawyer just like, you're saying this like that has value. Yep. And why am I sitting here now? Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> she just wanted to get up. She was like, that's the meanest thing. She and you're have. okay with it? I would love it if she had gotten <laughs> up and left, but she couldn't. Like, yeah. that's, it's just terrible. Um, and at, at this point, the media surrounding Britney is invasive, oppressive, and constant. She's no longer happy in their presence. She does not smile for photographers and is, in, is frequently seen um, asking them to leave her alone or telling them that she's afraid. There's Mm -hmm. so many videos of her going, guys, back up. I'm scared. I'm scared. Please leave me alone. In January of 2004, Brittany went on a bender in Vegas and married her childhood friend, Jason Allen Alexander, not the Seinfeld guy, at the White Wedding Chapel in Vegas. The marriage was annulled 55 hours later following a petition to the court that stated Brittany, quote, lacked understanding of her actions. Okay, but she's not the only person to ever have a quickie Vegas wedding. There's like a whole five episode arc of friends about that i know <laughs> come on this is not something where it's like you want to annul your vegas wedding like uh, yeah 90 percent of them probably do that a hundred percent they're all wasted I and know. then they go and do that and what about the man she was marrying what was his judgment like who cares he's just like britney spears cha-ching yes yes i suppose it didn't matter This was media gold, and as public mistakes were referred to in the Amanda Knox trial, it was, quote, mana from heaven. Mm. Taking it back to Amanda Knox. Wow. In 2004, Brittany became engaged to dancer Kevin Federline, who she had met three months earlier. Now, I always forget that he was a dancer. Is he still a dancer? What happened to him? I don't He doesn't look like a dancer now. He's he's relaxed into his dad status. Yeah. But he danced with Justin. Oh, and then they Jesus. met at a club. They like danced to each other. 
Oh, no. It was very, yeah. It was like a, a dancey meet cute. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, their romance was the subject of intense media scrutiny since Kevin had only recently broken up with an actress named Shar Jackson, who was at that point in time pregnant with their second child. There, from what I can grasp, I mm-hmm. think there was a hundred percent overlap there. Yes, there was. <laughs> and everybody knew that. And then that gave the media more ammunition to be like, well, look at her, she's a home wrecker. Mm-hmm. Uh the stages of the stages of their relationship were also chronicled in the reality show Brittany and Kevin <laughs> Chaotic. Oh my god. Which premiered on May 17, 2005. Brittany would later refer to the show in a 2013 interview as, quote, probably the worst thing I've ever done in my career. But I'm here for it. <laughs> I didn't get the chance to watch any of it. You said yeah. it is so much. It's so much. But it's so if anybody does end up watching it, at least the first episode, it's Brittany and Kevin had these videos. And so she was on her Onyx hotel tour. Okay. And she was, I think this was when she was like overseas too. And so she like invited him on. But the show is basically, she had these cameras on tour. And before Kevin even got there, she was just filming everything. Because she was like, it just keeps me busy. And I miss my family. And none of them were with her. Just Mm -hmm. Fee was there. And she would just do these like little interviews with her friends and JC was on the tour from from and saying JC keeps popping up. He does. Yeah, I love him. But He's good. I like him too. <laughs> um and it was she was just so fun on it. She Aww. just was having such a good time and then then she mentions this guy Kevin and she was just like we were at a club and he, I just thought he was so cute <laughs> and so we danced I, up to each other. We danced and he, so I just thought, well, you just want to come on tour with me? And uh, and so he's coming, and he's going to be with me, and it's going to be exciting. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, when you're, like, super young. Well, yeah, and and she was going to be on tour for, like, the next year, and she yeah. liked this guy, so she was just like, this is the only way I'm going to see you. For sure. That's smart. Yeah. I like that. Good for her. So Kevin and Brittany were, had a wedding ceremony on September 18th, 2004. They weren't legally married until October because of prenup stuff. And then Britney took a little break from producing new music when she discovered she was pregnant. Wait, before that? Yes, ma'am. She did. So Outrageous was also on this past album. Okay. And it was a, we were supposed to get a video for Outrageous. Okay. Do you remember the song? No. Outrageous when I move my body. Outrageous. No, no? but okay. now I want to, I so think. So Snoop Dogg's in it. He was in this Snoop video. Snoop Dogg's in it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is also, she gets a knee injury during it. So yeah. she's going up for like a basketball. She's like trying to do some thing. I don't know, some move. And then she falls and hurts her knee. Yeah, she did have surgery and, and was like out of commission for a while yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that happened before they got engaged. That got happened it. like in June. Got her, her first son. And she had to cancel her tour. Sorry. Oh, because really? of that. Yeah. That's okay. You get so many more tours. She'll be fine. Her first son, Sean Preston, was born in September of 2005. And by February of 2006, we get a scandal. Oh, what is that? Pictures surfaced of Brittany driving her son, Sean, on her lap instead of in a car seat. Mm. Child advocates were, like, mortified by these pictures and very outspoken about the situation because she's holding the wheel with one hand and the baby is in her lap with the other. But Brittany explained that this occurred after she and her newborn son were chased through the parking lot of a Starbucks by paparazzi. So she was afraid. Right. Men were chasing her with cameras, and she was holding her baby. She panicked, put the baby in her lap, closed the car door, and drove away, which to me 
doesn't seem that irrational. It seems like she just needed to get away from the situation she was in, and she had her newborn son with her. Right, and stars have tons of stories of the illegal shit that they've done to get out, like to get away from paparazzi. But they were just taking pictures the whole time, and so that came out, and that was something that was very easy to Mm -hmm. make a huge scandal out of, which people loved doing to Britney, so they did. Mm-hmm. The following month, she guest starred on Will and Grace, and then in September of 2006, she gave birth to her second son, Jaden James. So they're basically Irish twins. In November of 2006, Brittany filed for divorce from Kevin Federline, citing irreconcilable differences. Their divorce divorce was finalized in July of 2007, and they reached a settlement um, agreeing to have shared custody of their sons at this point in time. Uh, Brittany was also at that point frequently photographed going out with her friends after her painful divorce, and they just painted her all over the place as a bad mother. They're like, look Mm -hmm. at her wild party girl while her sons are off with their father. Does she never have her kids? What is she doing? Where are her priorities? She didn't have her kids because she couldn't. The custody agreement gave them to him on certain days. That's just what it was. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to make it like she was making some kind of horrible choice. The public ate this up. Well, the public, with the exception of rabid supporter Chris Crocker, who just really wanted us all to leave Britney alone. I was right there with him. <laughs> Remember that guy? I do. I laughed so hard, which oh now I now I feel bad that I even laughed. I was in college at this time, so I was like it's okay. a bit away from Britney at Didn't this point. Did you say he did porn for a while? He did, yeah. Right. Well, if you mm-hmm. like him, go look at his porn. Yeah. not. I forget what he's doing now. Live but your life. He's doing something else now. Live your life, leave Britney alone, guy. So, okay, why don't we take a minute then? We're now entering 2007, and the media shredder that was rapidly eating Britney alive had just reached a fever pitch. And you and I had a long discussion about how this was a time when that that was like what you did. Mm-hmm. Celebrity gossip was like, I, I can't imagine being that invested in celebrity gossip now, can you? Mm, no, I have no time for it. No. So why don't you tell us a little bit about 2007? Sure. Maybe some of that stuff we can okay, talk about. Okay, so there were more paparazzi in L.A. and New York than ever before, mm-hmm. and this was due in part to the mass amount of money that they could make taking photos of the A-list celebrities. And prior to the 2000s, there weren't really that many paparazzi around. Like, they were there, but they weren't tracking the stars every single move, and that's because the photos that, that were being bought were kind of like more classy photos um, like Brad and Jen at a gala and not Brad and Jen just like walking a beach, you know. The candidates got to be yeah. like a really big deal. So then in the early 2000s, the culture changed and the photos of stars just like us mm. were gaining a lot more popularity. And magazines like People and U.S. Weekly saw a jump in their sales when they put photographs of Pamela Anderson picking a wedgie or Faith Hill drinking a milkshake. <laughs> So interesting. (laughs) They're just like us. Oh, my God. I love wedgies and milkshakes. (laughs) So the paparazzi started following celebrities around more, trying to catch them at their worst or seemingly worst. And the public was eating it up. And more publications were on the market, like In Touch Weekly, Life Mm, and Style Weekly, and OK. (laughs) OK. And instead of monthly subscriptions, many publications were now doing weekly subscriptions. So everyone was making more money, and the price for certain photos were going up. And like a picture of Brad and Jen walking on the beach was now worth $500,000. 
And not only were these companies paying lots of money for photos of stars looking like regular people, the paparazzi were also charging kill fees. And this is when an outlet would pay top dollar for a celebrity photo, not to publish, but just to keep it out of the hands of their competitors. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And all this money drove in more aspiring photographers and videographers to take up a career as a paparazzo. And it meant the need to grab the best shot was everything to them, and they would go to great lengths to get it. And listen, it was not uncommon for certain stars to tip off the paparazzi on their whereabouts. Paris Hilton would do this all the time. Oh, Kim Kardashian is notorious for this. Yes. And mo- and a lot of them were even, like, their agents would do this right. or management. You know, it's just, it's a way to, like, get them in the news. But Especially at this point, like, they look need good them. now. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, we're going to a party. We're going to look real hot. Or, mm-hmm. like, shit's going down. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Good or bad, being in the magazines meant people were talking about her, meaning Paris Hilton, and that's what she wanted at that time. You know, and that's like, we just, we have Instagram now, so we don't need to worry about that. I think that's what changed the celebrity gossip culture with Mm -hmm. social media. So speaking of Paris, in 2006 and 2007, this is when Brittany, you were mentioning her friends. This was her friend and Lindsay Lohan, too. Oh, Lindsay. And they were going out all the time in the clubs. Um, They were dancing and drinking and staying out late. And every type of media had something to say about it, as you said before. And mostly they were saying that they were just out of control, especially Britney. Mm -hmm. And this was also that point in time when these girls had the, do you remember the panty shots? They were like in the panty club or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where they, one of the paparazzi got a photo. Like they were able to snap a photo of like Paris or Lindsay getting getting out of the car, and her skirt, you could see upper skirt, and she you could see her underwear. You, yeah, and, some of them did not wear underwear. Well, no, so that's how it started, and then it was like two weeks later, and so all, all three of them had shots like this. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a week or two later when like they were flashing without underwear on, and very well, sometimes you don't wear underwear under some of those dresses. God, I wear underwear 100% of the time, but good for, but, good for you. So it very well could have been that they just were a little tipsy and they were just like, I don't care, and got out of the car. Or, like, what everyone else is saying is that they were just looking for attention, especially Brittany. <laughs> now, this is <laughs> one of those my things. famous vagina. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Perez Hilton, Ugh. he was a uh, celebrity gossip blogger. He loves to tear Britney apart and loves to talk about that time too. He still talks Especially, about it. He still talks. Yeah, of course. Um, so with the rise of magazine sales, online bloggers were also popping up and talking about celebrities too. And Perez Hilton was just some guy who was between jobs and he blogged, but he was looking for more shit and he had it. So he, he would so write dicks on her face. I know. So he would write like 30 or something articles a day on his site. Mm-hmm. And he would also have like a ton of photos and videos available of celebrities. And his site was PerezHilton.com, which would reach over like a million new hits a day. And I remember I didn't really I did go on his site. It wasn't like purple background or something. It was pink. And okay. then it would look like a photo strip. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I definitely read Perez at that time. Yeah. I'm guilty of like falling yeah. into the, the news I remember media. my friend Amber read read it a lot. She was the one that was just like, I read everything on his thing. And I was like, What what's happening today? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, There's so much shit about There's people. Tons. And he loves Natalie Portman. 
He does. I guess that's what Natalie Portman's doing now. So I have a Perez (laughs) quote for you. Um, He said to the media at this point in time, quote, thank you, Britney Spears. Being bad is good for my business. Yeah. So I also have Do you have that quote? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is terrible. So yeah. So the worse Britney was getting, the more money he was getting, which was true for all All of of media. For sure. And he would also bring up, and a lot of people would bring this up too, that if you just couldn't handle the paparazzi, then maybe you just weren't cut out to be famous, which is insane because, I mean— That's nuts. Honestly, I feel like Britney was one of the most famous people on earth at this time. For sure. And we really didn't know a lot about her, so to have the opportunity to get any kind of photo or any kind of interview from her was amazing. Like, I—anytime she was going to be on— TV, yeah. whether it was a TV show or making of or mm-hmm. just any, I was just glued. I was like, okay, I need to get home and watch this. But there has to be a limit. And we have to allow people, famous or not, to have a private life. Yeah. <laughs> so just because they're choosing to be in the entertainment business does not mean that they have to share their entire life with everyone. But anyway, back to the celebrity gossip. So everything was just out of hand. TMZ was another one where— Ooh, They had a TV show, too. The harder they pushed, the more ratings they would get. And they had videographers and pho- photographers stationed outside Britney's house day Terrible. in and day out. And at they had them at all of her usual spots just waiting for her. Uh, the paparazzi were also trying to get a lot of photos of Britney's kids and really any kids as celebrities at this time. And this was before any legislation was brought forth to prohibit someone from selling or using a photo of their child without parental consent. Mm. Um, this is the year where a ton of legislation will then come out of because everybody was fed up at this point. And I it guess was just that's scary. also why it's the apex because legislation came out of it and it couldn't yep. get worse. Right, exactly. I mean, they would stand outside of the children's schools it's waiting terrible. to take photos. Terribly scary. And we allowed this to happen because we wanted those pictures. For sure. We were buying the magazines and going to the websites. If it was there, we were going to consume it. It's like me and junk food in the house. If it's there, I'm going to eat it. going to eat it. That's how it goes. So another thing I found interesting was that at this time in 2007, a bunch of celebrities were doing interviews and telling the press how bad the paparazzi had gotten. So it yeah. wasn't just Britney like freaking out. Everybody, no, was everybody bad. was mad. And um, I remember I was reading one about Brad Pitt, and they were just like, okay. And um, they felt like they didn't have a second to themselves and that they were fearful for their lives and their children's lives. And no one cared. Everyone made them sound rude or out of line. Like, how dare this famous person think they have any right to a private life? And I even remember thinking, like, yeah, you're famous. You signed up for this. But that's not fair. I do, for sure. It's not fair. And And I I firmly believe that what stopped it was also the fact that they got agency over their own, like, publication of their lives with the use of social media. Yes. And so, okay, so I was going to say, sometimes when I get home from work, I like to sit in my car in the driveway and just in silence for like five to 10 minutes, like when I just get home, you yeah. know, it's been a busy day. I need to com- decompress before entering my house to like see my whole family. And if I needed that, I can't imagine what the celebrities did. And I can't imagine what then Brittany did, like how much, like I get frustrated if I don't get that like a few minutes of, yeah. You know, it's yeah. That's a lot. It's just a lot overstimulated over all the time. Yeah. So they weren't getting their break at this point, especially Brit- Brittany. The paparazzi loved to get a rise out of her or anyone for that matter. They had techniques to like push to them, goad them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And photos of Britney at this point were like 100000 to like $1 million a shot. It's bananas. And it was a crazy time for sure. And it was the end of an era shortly after more celebrities were pushing for laws to be passed to help distance the paparazzi from them. And there have since been some changes that have helped. But really, once Instagram arrived, as we said, celebrities are able to control their own narrative and were able to make their own announcements before anyone else could. Yeah. Now that you could just follow them on Instagram. You don't need any of those other mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But I think that this is this is a very important factor for what I mean. Also, besides the fact that Brittany just had two children, and who knows the hormonal Mm -hmm. issues that she is going through, plus all of this, and a divorce, and a divorce, (laughs) and like just oh god, I can't. This is such a pressure cooker. I don't know anyone that wouldn't snap under these conditions, Mm -hmm. and yet we judge her so harshly, or we did. So anyway, thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. In February of that year of 2007, Brittany um, checked herself into a drug rehab facility in Antigua for less than a day. She was like, I need help. I got to go. And we don't know what drugs she was trying to come off of. We don't know anything about that. But the following night, she um, went to a salon in Tarzana, Los Angeles, and shaved her head with electric clippers. This is an event people love to talk about. So let's break this incident down for a minute. Brittany was being relentlessly followed. She had photographers on top of her day and night. Her sons were not with her much of the time, and her marriage had failed. She walked into that salon and asked the stylist to shave her head, but the stylist said no, fearing that she would be held responsible for ruining this icon's appearance. I don't blame the stylist. I would have been Mm -hmm. terrified, too. I'd be like, girl, I cannot shave your head. No, no, no. Brittany asked if she could do it herself, and I think the hairdresser just said she could. I think she just picked up the razor and started doing it. One way or the other, like— the pictures of her are not people trying to restrain her from doing it. She was like, just well, they can't it. touch her. No, that's she's Britney true. Spears. That's true. Um, so she, <laughs> what would you have done? You'd be like, Britney, girl. I think I would have been like, somebody has to stop her. We're going to be in so much trouble. I think that's what have been. Here's me. some tea. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to just calm down first? So she she did that and stated after in the aftermath that she just didn't. She just kept saying she didn't want people to touch her anymore. Right. Her carefully applied extensions and, like, lion's mane of golden hair had always been fussed over and had to be just so all the time. She had those, like, micro-bonded extensions where you have, like, a hundred of them in your head. Like, Mm -hmm. this is very high-maintenance hair. So people never stopped fussing with her. And so shaving it all off was an attempt to set herself free of that. She thought that maybe without all the hair, they wouldn't bother with her or they wouldn't want pictures of her as much anymore, too, because now she doesn't look the way they want her to look. Sadly, she was wrong. This was just more fuel for the fire. Mm -hmm. Days after shaving her own head and now in the middle of a custody battle with Kevin Federline, who had petitioned for sole custody of the boys, Brittany had yet another very public incident. She was in her cousin's car coming from Kevin Federline's home. She had wanted to see her boys, but he wouldn't let her in. And so then she was leaving his house and photographers were following her. They had followed her to Kevin's house. They had followed her from Kevin's house, and Brittany and her cousin had to stop at a mobile station for gas. And when they did so, I think her cousin was pumping gas and she was still sitting in the car. The paparazzi hopped out of their vans and just swarmed the car, taking pictures and trying to get her to say something. Like you said, like goading her and probing her, like, hey, I'm worried about you. Are you okay? What's going on? What happened? Are you okay, sweetheart? Shut the fuck up. She doesn't need you. So at one point, she just snaps and runs out of the car, attacking the paparazzi's van with a big old golf umbrella. Mm-hmm. So good. I know. And you know what? I look at that moment and go, well, like, 
who among us wouldn't have been that angry at that point in time? I know. Photos of that event were plastered all over the world. They were premium content. And I remember at that time thinking she was so crazy and selfish. Like, how could you do that? That's nuts. Easy. It's easy to see now how you could do that. And she just has that cute little dog in her lap. Oh, that's right. She had that little dog at the time. And now I look back at that and I wonder how I saw anything but a girl in desperate trouble in those pictures. I don't have to wonder too hard. People were telling me that's not what it was, and I listened. Mm-hmm. So Brittany admitted herself to another treatment facility during the following weeks. In October of 2007, she lost physical custody of her sons. The reason the court um, gave sole custody to Kevin Federline was never revealed to the public. So we don't know exactly what brought them to that decision. In October of 2007, Brittany released her fifth studio album, Blackout. This album, the one she released in the middle of an emotional collapse, is considered by a lot of people to be her best work to date. Mm -hmm. So do you have a little blackout info for us? Yeah. So um, she did record some of these songs pregnant. Uh, They did bring in – she recorded some songs pregnant and then also like three weeks postpartum. It's not well. time to record a song. No, I'm they sorry. like brought a recording studio into her house so that she could like get work That's done. That's bananas. No, she needs a nap. <laughs> I know. But she, I mean, also it's like wild. And then it's weird because I think she finds comfort in work, but then she does just need a break sometimes. Of course, she's a she human. She just needs a break. Um, and she needs people to tell her she needs a break yeah. as well, which she did not have. Um, but yeah, this album is one of the best ones. It didn't get a lot of publicity like they didn't get to promote it a lot because of she wasn't there to promote it like there was nothing she could do and there was a lot more like fan base so again I always feel like Britney's kind of ahead of her time with a lot of things like fashion trends and everything Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and this is one of those times where it was ahead of its time so they did a lot of fan based promotions where they let the fans vote and it was a thing where they could do it I think online and they go on and and they do a lot of this stuff now where yeah. they involve their fans, but they didn't really do that then. Yeah. And so the fans got to vote for um, one of the songs to be a music video, and they voted for Break the Ice. And this one, because, again, she wasn't really – she she just wasn't functioning at this point, which we learned later she was probably on a bunch of medication at this point too. Yeah. So they were sitting around the room trying to decide, and she – came up with the idea of it being, like, an animated thing, which I, at first, I was like, well, that's, like, weird, and it's a really good video, but then I realized, I was like, she's at home with two boys that probably watches a ton of cartoons, like, of course. maybe you don't want to be on camera for a hot minute. Well, no, yeah, they, I think that they were trying to figure out what to do with it. Okay. And then, and whether it would be, like, slides or something, she was like, let's, let's make it animated, and I think she really liked this idea and, like, went with it, and, um, but yeah, and it makes a lot of sense to me now, because I'm just like, because she had children. She probably was, like, watching cartoons all day. Sure. Yeah, but this is the album that will give you, like, give me more, a piece of me. Mm. Um, there's, It's so good. And this is also, okay, so for this album, they also were going, they offered her the song Umbrella by Rihanna. Umbrella? Yes. Mm. And which I think would, like, kind of seems like a Britney song. Yeah, yeah. She could have killed that. But she passed it and everybody was like you're crazy for passing it and she was just like um (laughs) did you like if i picked a song called umbrella and i just attacked a car not sure that's gonna go real well for me so that's my take when i heard that she passed that up i was just like well she probably needed to which again is a sound judgment on britney's part if she made that herself yeah but uh yeah so that's what i have for blackout like that's 
it was a sleeper. Right. And but critics will say that's probably one of her better album. And there's there's just so many good it's songs. Funny critics say that now, but when it came out they didn't like it. There yeah, there was a little bit. There were some people that were like, "Oh, this is kind of good," but they didn't want to there was no promotion for it. Right. And well, now she was Yeah. Gone. But it had so many hits on it. And it is. You can listen to that album start to finish and enjoy the whole thing. There you go. Listen to Blackout. So in December of 2007, Britney began a relationship with paparazzo Adnan Ghalib. Thankfully, this particular relationship was short-lived as he was part of a freeloading brain trust trio who tried to bleed Britney dry, but we'll touch on that again momentarily. I think part of her must have been thinking that if she dated one of them, maybe she would be on the inside and they would leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps he would be able to protect her from his colleagues. Neither of those things were true, but I could see how in desperation this might seem like a good answer. In January of 2008, Brittany was scheduled to relinquish custody of her sons to Kevin Federline's representatives, but when the time came, she refused to do it. She locked herself in a bathroom with her babies until the police came and apprehended them and her. Looking at this moment as a mother, it makes me unbelievably sad. If there were people coming to my home to take my children away from me forever— I honestly don't know what I would do in her in that place. I think it would be a breaking point for a lot of parents. But also, what she did was illegal, and the cherry on top of the very publicly seemingly hysterical Sunday that Brittany had been making. Mm-hmm. You can't tell the police, no, I won't do what you're asking me to do. After the boys were taken away to be given to their father, police took Brittany to the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center after noting that she appeared to be under the influence of an unidentified substance. Honestly, there have been a couple of trips to rehab for Brittany, and to this day, nobody knows what she was on. But a lot of substances impaired judgment, so really could have been anything. The following day, Brittany's visitation rights were suspended at an emergency court hearing, and Kevin Federline was given sole physical and legal custody of their sons. Brittany was then committed to the psychiatric ward of the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center and put on a 5150 involuntary psychiatric hold under California state law. Now... A 5150 hold allows a person with a mental challenge to be involuntarily detained for a 72-hour psychiatric hospitalization. So the day Brittany was put in the hospital was ostensibly the last day she would ever be free to make her own decisions to date. Wild. And the police who brought her in probably never thought that was going to be the consequence. No. Brittany's father, Jamie, swooped in. Remember Jamie, who has been gone this whole time? We didn't see him at all except for at one point when he was interviewed by someone who said, my daughter's going to be rich and I'm gonna, she's going to buy me a boat. That's like the mm-hmm. only Jamie quote that's out there in the world. Uh, so Jamie petitioned the court to place her under a temporary conservatorship led by himself and attorney Andrew Wallet, which is a really fun name given he's a finance guy, giving them complete control of her assets. Brittany asked to be represented in these matters by lawyer Adam Streisand, but the court would not let her hire her own representation. Mr. Streisand has gone on record saying that when he met with Brittany, she was perfectly lucid and capable of deciding her own representation. The court, however, granted Jamie Spears and Andrew Wallet the request, and therefore they, grant, they were granted control of Brittany's health care, all decisions regarding her body, her finances, her home, who she saw, when she saw them, and restraining orders put in place on her behalf, what medication, what medication she took, which doctors she saw, when she worked, when she performed, when she released albums, how much she was paid for things, who saw the financial benefits of her continually lucrative estate, and more. (sighs) Jamie would go on to extend these restrictions to other things as well. Originally, the petition seemed to be in place because Jamie said he wanted to protect Britney from predatory influences. 
But this is far above and beyond that, especially from the man who prior to this court case had only been publicly quoted as saying, like I said, his daughter was going to buy him a boat. That's a cool dad. So now I know that most people are wondering what exactly a legal conservatorship is. Well, it can be best explained as a legal guardian. They just don't like to use those phrases because then it makes you sound like a child. Remember when you needed your parents to sign forms at the doctor's office or anywhere else official for you on the legal guardian line? That's what this is. Under U.S. law, conservatorship is the appointment of a guardian or protector by a judge to manage the financial affairs and or daily life of another person due to old age or physical or mental limitations. This is like the dictionary, like law book definition of a conservatorship. A person under a conservatorship is a conservatee, a term that can refer to an adult or a child. A person under a guardianship, oh no, sorry, that's, a, that's just an adult. A person under a guardianship is a ward, which is usually a child. So you like, if you hear someone's a ward of the state, that's like a child. Mm -hmm. The conservator may be only of the estate or financial affairs, but it also may be of the person, wherein the conservator takes charge of overseeing their daily activities, such as healthcare or living arrangements. A conservator of person is more typically called than a legal guardian. It's just not language they use in Brittany's case because it makes it sound like what it is, but not what they want it to look like. Brittany's father was given both conservatorship of the estate alongside Andrew Wallet and person. Mm. You will rarely see this term not linked with the word elderly. A conservatorship is usually placed on a person who suffers with dementia because it puts the person in a state of mental incapacitation wherein they cannot make decisions for themselves or take care of their own health. Because of this, there are rumors that Brittany has some form of dementia, but this is highly unlikely and there is nothing backing it. The reason that rumor exists is because the word dementia is nearly always in the proximity of the word conservatorship. So people just put the two together and assumed, well, she must have dementia. Okay. Which is like a pretty big leap, but I mean, mm -hmm. I guess... I guess I can see it. And Brittany's strict guardianship is rather baffling for a young and healthy woman. Plenty of famous folks snap their tether, but they aren't given back to their parents legally. Charlie Sheen and Robert Downey Jr., for a start, both of them behaved far worse than Brittany ever had, and they were not made a charge of their parents. Mm -mm. Neither one of them was, like, given a mommy. Right. And then there's the issue of who was in control of Brittany and her finances. Brittany's father had not been involved in her life or success for the better part of it, he stayed pretty well removed, always choosing to remain at home in Louisiana. It's extremely strange that he was the one granted legal custody over his daughter. His wife, Lynn, and Brittany's longtime assistant, um, or chaperone, whatever you want to call her, Felicia, had no idea why this was happening. Right. They were completely gobsmacked by this fact. Jamie and Lynn had quietly divorced in the early 2000s, by the way, and then reconciled but never remarried. On the outside, it would appear that Jamie was trying to be some kind of white knight, swooping in and saving his poor sick daughter, it kind of looks like, well, no one else is going to take care of her, so shut it down. Here I am. I'm going to help. Right. And because also at this time, uh, Brittany's sister, Jamie Lynn, was pregnant. And she was she was like 15 and pregnant. Oh, and she yeah. was on that Zoe 101 show on yeah. Nickelodeon. So she was Nickelodeon like, kid. Yeah. Um, so she got pregnant. And then I, I think her that. mom. Yeah. But I think that's why her mom isn't around because she's dealing with Jane yeah. Lynn. Jesus. Well, the white knight thing, that's, that's not how this worked out. He was certainly not saving his poor sick daughter at this point, but he was put in a position to do it because I guess her mother was dealing with other things at the time. According to Brittany's brother Brian, in a podcast interview, Brittany wanted to, a bank to be in control of her finances. 
She knew there wasn't much she could do to fight the conservatorship, but she explicitly did not want her father in charge of it. She would have agreed to a temporary bank-run financial conservatorship willingly. She was fine with that part. But this was above and beyond. She told numerous people that she was fearful of her father and what might happen if he gained that kind of control. And I will remind you that Jamie has a history of being violent and controlling with his own wife. Fun fact time. Did you know that Dr. Phil also had his hands in all of this? Of course he did. Mm-hmm. He went to visit Brittany while she was in the hospital on a 5150 hold at the behest of her mother, whom he had become close friends with. Actually, his wife had. And then because of that, they mm-hmm. knew each other. And, and Lynn Spears said, well, you're a psychologist, maybe go talk to her and try and convince her to get help. That was her platform in this. She wanted Dr. Phil to convince Brittany to get actual help. And because Lynn, so in Lynn wrote a, a biography. She sure did. And uh, in it, she talks about around this time, and she always says that her daughter was going through postpartum depression at this time. She had two kids in a row. Mm-hmm. She very well could have been. 100%. But. So after Dr. Phil's visit, which was not well-received by Brittany herself, she wanted no part of seeing Dr. Phil and who could blame her. He went on national television to talk about how Brittany was in desperate need of physical and mental health interventions. In fact, Dr. Phil had planned an entire episode of his show around Brittany's condition, and Lynn was slated to appear. But after this very public comment, quote, betrayed her trust, Lynn would no longer consent to appear, and the episode was canceled. Dr. Phil has since apologized to Brittany and the Spears family for his actions, but he hasn't stopped talking about her, going on radio shows and blasting her for saying that she has been held against her will. Well, Dr. Phil, that is precisely what is happening. It's just being done with the consent of the court. So fun thing to realize, we live in a world where Dr. Phil has been more accountable for his past actions than Diane Sawyer. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool times, guys. Cool times. And speaking of Dr. Phil, I initially wanted to have a therapist come on the show this week and talk about conservatorships, but I couldn't find one that felt that it was an area they were well-versed enough in to make a public statement. And here's why. Despite being critically linked to the conservatee's mental health, the process of a conservatorship is strictly a legal one. In fact, mental health care professionals are scarcely involved, other than an assessment that they provide. Brittany was also never assessed by a psychologist that she herself hired, only one provided by her father and the court. Now, this is akin to allowing expert testimony in favor of the prosecution only in a murder trial. That just isn't done. Hmm. But for some reason here, it is. You always let someone hire their own lawyer. You always let someone bring in their own witnesses. But in this case, Brittany was not allowed either one of those things. Right. According to Mr. Streisand, the lawyer that she wanted to have, he said, quote, we don't know what we don't know. And I found that to be an extremely poignant statement because it's very true. We don't know what she's been diagnosed with. Mm -hmm. We don't know what mental health care professionals had to say about her at the time or whether she is suffering from something chronic and unmanageable. Unmanageable. But there is strong evidence to the contrary. Someone who was severely compromised by mental health challenges probably shouldn't be ordered to enter into a grueling performance schedule that involves a live residency in Las Vegas, a notoriously taxing endeavor, but that's exactly what happens here. Most of us would treat our sick and hurting daughter with kit gloves, and the reason many of us strongly oppose to Jamie Spears being in control of everything in Britney's life is because he did not. Another fun fact is that a conservatorship should only last for a year. Much like a restraining order, they don't last forever. You have to re-up, which Jamie has done a great many times, and the court has granted it every single one, without professionally re-examining Brittany. Right. 
Five days after this happened, Brittany was released from the hospital, and her father immediately had her shooting a guest spot on How I Met Your Mother. In July of 2008, Brittany regained some of her visitation rights with her sons after coming to an agreement with Kevin Federline and his counsel. In September of 2008, Brittany opened the MTV Video Music Awards. She won Best Female Video, Best Pop Video, and Video of the Year for Peace of Me. A 60-minute introspective documentary, Brittany, for the record, was produced to chronicle Spears, uh, Brittany's return to the recording industry, which is awfully funny because for all of her struggles, she never really left. Right. What she comeback? Right. The circus, because it's leading up to her circus album, which is 2008, and Blackout came out in 2007. Yes. There is no gap. There is no comeback. Mm-mm. It's something they orchestrated to make it look like she had gotten over everything that went to, went on with her. And between that, so before the before they started this video, um, this documentary, she had to do that Give Me More performance at the VMAs where she just looks like she is on something else. <sighs> she's like not— She's not even lip syncing, like, correctly. Oh, my God. She's barely moving. It's, like, terrible. Oh, no. Well, she's clearly in some kind of crisis. Yeah. No one's going to argue that. Right. She needed some kind of intervention, for sure. I just think that the steps they took were kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Because normally, if you see your child struggling, what you want to do is bring them home and put your arms around them and get them help. Right. You don't want to— sign them over to you, and then immediately put them to work. And that is the problem that most people have with this. Not that she needed help. The fact that the help that was given to her was so inappropriate for the situation. Yeah. So, in December of 2008, Britney released her sixth studio album, Circus. And you just mentioned a little of Circus. Me too. Do you want to tell us a little more about Circus? Well, so that's really all I have. This was okay, the that's fine. um yeah, this was the tour that I got to see. Oh, which I was yay. really excited that's about. That's cool. And it was really good. And it really was well, so it was interesting. So that documentary, Britney for the record, mm-hmm. that was one that did trick me initially because I watched it and I was like, This is her comeback. She's she's doing good. She's healthy again and and we're yeah. doing great and Something that I did learn uh, from another podcast, because one of the dancers mentioned it, Mm -hmm. they said that on, so in the documentary and making of the videos, Brittany looks like she is back to herself and she's dancing and she's getting the choreography and doing all this stuff. But one of the dancers mentioned that it was a bit different. Actually, it was, they had to keep repeating the choreography with her, Um, but she would nail it. But like when I rewatched the making of, I see how excited this choreographer gets um, Andrew Fuente, I think he ended. He's like one of the choreographers and good friend of hers that stays with her this whole time. Okay. And he's so positive and he's so wonderful and he just loves her so much and wants her mm. to shine and he's patient with her. But he ends up he dies in oh no like 2016. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, I know. I don't know what from. I didn't look into it, but um, but yeah. So that was that was sad. But uh, but I thought that was interesting where Brittany. Is back, but like she's not back because she shouldn't be back. No, she should just be being okay. taken care of. But it's her fine. show was great, and she did. I love the fact about with the um, baby one more time with her listening to Tainted Love before because when I saw her on tour, they did like a little video montage, and she did a video of her doing Tainted Love oh, on fun. there, and it was like super sexy, and I always think about it. <laughs> there you go. It's so good. Yeah. 
So now I also mentioned a restraining order more than once in my previous statements because in 2009, Britney's family took out a restraining order against her lecherous manager and maybe boyfriend at the time, Sam, Lut Sam Lutfi, and her ex-boyfriend Adnan Ghalib, and an attorney by the name of John Erdley, all of whom have been accused of conspiring to contain to gain control of all of her financial affairs. So she does have predatory people coming after her. At one point, Sam Lutfi had moved into Britney's house, took control of most of her finances and her daily activities. He began speaking publicly for her, and according to her mother, took her off her medication. Sam is what gave Jamie's case for predatory influences validity. He was absolutely taking advantage of Britney and giving her terrible advice. <laughs> Under Jamie and Andrew Wallet's influence, Britney cranked out more things than ever. In 2010, she toured with Circus, which Leslie saw, and it was glorious released her second greatest hits album, designed a limited red clothing line for candies, and appeared on an episode of Glee, all while so apparently mentally ill that she wasn't allowed to decide when she left her own home. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense that you can do one and not the other. Right. Because of this dark dichotomy around this time, the Free Britney movement began. Now, it began with a guy who has a blog. You can still read the blog. His name is not at the forefront of things any longer, but you can read it if you want. It's a little unhinged at times, but... He was the OG. Loyal fans of Britney couldn't understand how she was consistently working and yet apparently totally incapacitated mentally. After stating publicly several times that she wished to take some time off and yet never putting that into action, it appeared that Britney had been forced to work like a dog at a breakneck pace by her legal guardians who were happily reaping the benefits while controlling the way she spent her own money down to the dime. Every single time Britney opened her wallet for so much as an iced coffee, which she all, we all know she loves, it had to be documented. So Jamie talks about how every single thing she bought was written down. Everything. Gum, a shirt, a car. It did, didn't matter. Every, she had to log everything she ever bought with her own money that she worked like a dog for. That's mm -hmm. insane. That's why you work. So you don't have to do those things. In March 2011, Britney released her seventh studio album, Femme Fatale, which she would also tour with. Do you have any Femme Fatale facts? This? Well, it's so like, like this, not a big one. No. Well, there is, there's some good songs on here to you. This was supposed to be like kind of more of her club album, I think. Oh. Um, yeah. So that was really, that's what I remember from this one. It was a little bit more club vibe, which was yeah. her vibe. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was really, that was there's really not, it. Yeah, there's this. Once, this is also where I, well, no, there was, I listened to this album and I was like, oh no, there's a lot of songs on here that I liked. But I would say I did like little dips in and out of Britney. Right. But also she's not in control of her, of her things anymore. And so I think it's telling that this is the album that is like a blip on people's radar. She probably didn't have much to say about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was noticeable. Mm -hmm. Maybe what you were in for was what Britney contributed, and there wasn't as much to it in that. Right. I don't know that for a fact, but it's it's interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. So in August of 2011, Britney received the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. I might want to take him off I of that know. MTV. <laughs> <laughs> At the 2011 MTV Video Music Awards. In December of 2011, she became engaged to her longtime boyfriend, Jason Tarwick, or Jason Trawick. Trawick? Whatever. Trawick? That sounds that right. That sounds right. Yep. Who had formerly been her agent, but they broke up so that they could be a couple. And then he gained legal control over Brittany as her fiance and became a co-conservator alongside her father in April 2012. How fucked up is that? There's always a man in charge. Has to be a guy. I hate that. 
No women in Camp Britney. It's fucking sick. Britney then appeared as a judge on X Factor, which is a TV show that I did not watch, and American Idol. She released another album of remixes, collaborated on a song with Will I Am, and then in 2012 began work on yet another studio album. So she is working non-stop, and it's only about to get busier. I cannot stress enough how hard this schedule would be to uphold, and how much if you were concerned for your child's mental health and well-being, this would not be what you push them to do. On September 17, 2013, she appeared on Good Morning America to announce her two-year concert residency at Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, titled Britney, Piece of Me. It began on December 27th, my birthday, 2013, and included a total of 100 shows throughout 2014 and 15. During the same Good Morning America appearance, she announced that Britney Jean, her next album, will be released on December 13th, 2013. So she's like cranking out a Vegas residency, another album, a greatest hits album, collaborations with other songwriters. She, this is like more work than she's ever done in her life. This is, this is the most. Yes. Do you have anything to say about Britney Jean? Oh, I like this album. Okay. So it has that song, Work It, which oh, is yeah, yeah. so good. Such a, it's a perfect workout album. Oh, good. Um, and then there's also the song, Perfume, which I Yeah, like. that's like a thing. That was a single. Yeah, I really like that song. Um, and then soon after, so between this and her next album, she does a song with Iggy Azalea, and it's Pretty Girls. Yes. And this video is so cute. It's really weird, but it's That's fine. really cute. Be weird. And so Brittany has, she loves the supernatural, I think. she. I think she likes aliens. Don't we all? Like me. And <laughs> Unlike me. I hate them. <laughs> she even has a song called Alien, and it's. It's good. She wanted that song to be in her Vegas show. Mm -hmm. And at first they were like, no, no, no. But then they finally let her do it like a couple Aww. times. Yeah. Um, but Iggy in the video, it's called Pretty Girls. And in the video, Iggy is an alien. And Britney's like one yeah. of the pretty girls. And it's like they're all very ditzy girls. And they're trying to show Iggy how to like get around town. And then at the end, Iggy's like her the spaceship comes That's and, like, funny. takes them, and they take Britney, and she's, like, so excited that she's going to go to space. Time for aliens! <laughs> I would be dying. I'd be yeah. on the floor dead. No, thank you. <laughs> so there isn't much between this this um, Britney Jean and Glory. I mean, it says she just kept going. She did her Vegas residency. It was extended until 2015, and then again until 2017. And then she released um, Glory. Do you have anything mm -hmm. on Glory? Before yeah, I so move that forward? came out okay. in 2016, and this is the album uh, with the song "Slumber Party," and this yes. music video is where she meets Sam. Yeah, do you talk about that at all? I just have that fact, but okay, yeah. So that was cute. He was like um, a friend of his, like had him give a photo for this video because they didn't need like anybody to really be a dancer or anything. They just needed this guy well, in the this, show. Well, we should say this is her current boyfriend, model and personal trainer, Sam Asgahari, who is like unbelievably hot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Brittany actually, there's a couple photos and then she picks out his. And, oh, you uh, would. Yep. 100%. Absolutely. And the the video is really good. I love, so this is a video that I think brings Britney back to like a Britney video. Nice. And her outfit in it is so good. Nice. You gotta, you gotta watch it. It's great. She wears like this red dress and a nice top bun. It's so Cute. good. Yeah. I love I just it. I very excited so about very her. very hot boyfriend. <laughs> she looks really cute in her outfit. Yeah, and it's very like eyes wide shut. 
Oh, sexy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's dancing. It's great. Cool. So after that, things begin to get interesting because Instagram has entered the chat. Now, unless you live under a rock, you know that Britney's Instagram account is a spicy salad of cryptic memes, pictures of landscapes, her boys, her performances, and an increasing number of selfie-style videos of her dancing in her home, which are kind of unhinged looking. And soon these posts would have people thinking she was the greatest cryptographer since the Zodiac. Soon, but not quite yet. We know it's coming, and people are starting to talk. They're starting to look at these memes that she posts and go, maybe she's talking to us. Right. Maybe she's sending us coded messages. <gasps> What's happening? So that's like, that's when this starts to yeah. be like in the consciousness of the public. On October 18th, 2018, Brittany announces her second Las Vegas residency show, which is called Domination. It was said to launch at Park MGM's theater on uh, February 13th, 2019, but the announcement did not go as planned. There was a big glittery event sent for this announcement. It looked like she was going to perform. There's a stage set up. Tons of media were there. There was an audience in attendance. Her face was splashed all over buildings and projected onto the hotel in the foreground. There were fountains and shit. And then Britney was announced. She, like, came out of the floor. It was, like, crazy or something. But then instead of performing, she just walked straight through the crowd and left. She was like, hi, hi, walked right out. I don't remember this. It's in the documentary. It is? Mm-hmm. I just watched the documentary. This is when it's like she's at the, there's like her pictures on the hotel. She's in a black dress. There's like a the stage is in red. And they're like, she's going to come out. Oh, my God. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And she walks out and she's like, hey, hey, hey. And then she just walks straight through the crowd and leaves. And everyone's like, did she just leave? That's it? We're all here for her to walk by us? Huh. Nothing else happened? And a lot of people... For people who are, like, diehard free Britneys, they're like, this was an act of defiance. Mm -hmm. She chose not to perform. She kept walking because she didn't want to accept this residency. She didn't want to do another one. So she was like, you know, fuck this. I'm I'm just going to walk. I'm not even going to perform. I don't want to do this. This is supposedly to a lot of people an act of rebellion. She had worked her ass off for a great many years, and there was no sign that she would be able to stop. It is widely speculated, again, that she wanted no part of this second residency. And just a few short weeks later, Brittany announced its cancellation, citing her father's health troubles, a near-fatal random colon rupture. It's hard to mm-hmm. randomly rupture your colon, but all right, dude, what are you eating? As the reason that she needed to focus more on her family, even though her father was supposed to be taking care of her and not the other way around. In March of 2019, Andrew Wallet resigned as co-conservator of her estate after 11 years. And there is a lot of speculation as to why this happened. Most people believe that he and Jamie no longer saw eye to eye. After this, Brittany entered a psychiatric facility amidst the, quote, stress from her father's illness that same month. I think that is bullshit. I don't think she was stressed out because her dad was sick. Right. I think she was stressed out because she was trying to get away from her dad. The following month, a fan podcast designed around interpreting Britney's Instagram posts as secret cries for help called Britney's Graham released a voicemail message from a source who claimed to be a former member of Britney's legal team. They think they said he was a paralegal. They alleged that Jamie had canceled the planned residency due to Britney's refusal to take her medication and that he had been holding her in the facility against her will since January of 2019 after she violated his no driving rule. I think we're all shocked to hear the phrase, no driving rule. She certainly knows how to drive, and her issues did not center around that ability whatsoever. 
Her father also, uh, this paralegal also stated that her conservatorship was supposed to have ended in 2009, which would make sense as conservatorships are only supposed to be a year long at most. Mm -hmm. After this, the allegations gave rise to terminate the conservatorship and they were dubbed the hashtag Free Britney. It has gotten the attention of lots of celebrities, including Cher, Paris Hilton, Miley Cyrus, as well as the ACLU. Um, I shared the ACLU's Britney post today. If you guys want to donate to the ACLU or read their opinions on conservatorship abuse, you can click on that. Conservatorship abuse is not new. In the past, it just happened to elderly people and those who were mentally impaired enough to never argue. The ACLU cites that many disabled people are forced into conservatorships that they never wanted or agreed to. And in this way, they lose all their assets and their freedom in one fell swoop. The issue with Brittany is that we do not know whether her, quote, disability is what her disability is, or even if it exists. So much of this is massively enigmatic. Fans protested outside the West Hollywood City Hall and demanded that Brittany be released from the mental health facility on April 22nd of 2019. And then later, Brittany released a statement saying, all was well. She also released a statement about canceling her uh, Vegas residency, being like, I'm so sad to do this. I never wanted to. It's my favorite thing to do in the world, but my dad is sick, and we really need to be with my dad. Okay. Mm. So during a May 2019 hearing, Judge Brenda Penny ordered a professional evaluation of this conservatorship, which should have been done every single year. That's how you're supposed to do it. Right. That's not how they did it. That's how you're supposed to do it. In September of that year, Kevin Federline obtained a restraining order against Britney's father, Jamie, following an alleged physical altercation between Jamie and one of Britney's sons. And I will never stop shouting about the fact that Jamie has a history of violence. We have no idea what he does behind closed doors, and it is in no way surprising that Britney is terrified of him. Britney's longtime care manager, a man named Jody Montgomery, we like Jody, good to Britney, he's good to have in charge of her affairs, this is a person who seems to generally have her best interest at heart. He temporarily replaces Jamie as her conservator that same month because Jamie was too sick to do anything, which also um, in that month there was a hearing where no decisions about the arrangement were reached. Jody was quoted as saying that he would like to see an end to the conservatorship that is slowly introduced, allowing Brittany to learn how to live on her own without releasing her to the wolves in one action, which this to me seems the most caring of all the statements. Yeah. If you're going to, like, say, okay, now you have to make all your own decisions, that 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 would be really hard to do all at once. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, little bit at a time so you understand how to manage your money and your household and what you're in charge of. That, that to me, makes so much more sense. Absolutely. And that's why I like this guy. In August, also, Jamie Spears called the Free Britney movement a joke and its organi- organizers conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. You make, like, two public statements in your life, and one of them is to say that. Good job. <laughs> On August 17th of 2020, Britney's court-appointed lawyer, because remember, she can't hire her own lawyer, Samuel D. Ingham III, submitted a court filing that documented Britney's desire to have her conservatorship altered to reflect her wishes as well as her lifestyle. So she wanted her own money and stuff. And uh, she wanted to instate Jody Montgomery Montgomery as her permanent conservator. So she thinks this person is acting in her best interest. She wants him to replace Jamie with a fiduciary um, as a conservator of her estate, which is what she asked for for day one. She wants the bank to be in charge of her money. Mm -hmm. And this third party that seems to be acting in her best interest to be in charge of everything else. So four days later, Judge Penny extended the conservatorship until November of 2020. Judge Penny also approved Bessemer Trust as co-conservator of Britney's estate. 
alongside Jamie. So she's getting a bank for a hot minute. A documentary about Britney's career and conservatorship called Framing Britney Spears, which we referenced a couple times in this podcast, premiered on FX in February 2021. It's really good. It's on Hulu. You should watch it. Spears um, later revealed that she had seen parts of the documentary, and this is in an Instagram post too, and she says that she felt humiliated by the perception of her that was presented and that she cried for two weeks after watching it. Yeah. And part of me is like, I don't know that you were embarrassed or just sad. Right. Because the reality of it is sad. I want to hope that she wasn't embarrassed because she has no reason to be. Well, but later when she when we hear her speech yeah. that she gives, she even mentions that she was trying so hard to make herself seem that everything was fine. Yeah. So her even saying that on there at that time might have also been a way of her being like, everything's fine. I don't know why you guys are talking about this. But then sure. in her speech later, she's just like, no, you're right. There were things going on. <laughs> God. The following month, her lawyer followed a petition to permanently replace Jamie with Jody Montgomery as the conservator of person for Brittany, citing a 2014 order that determined that Brittany did not have the capacity to consent to medical treatment of any form. So as late as 2014, we have these mysterious documents that say she's completely incapacitated, and yet she's still performing like a maniac all the time. So remember, the conservator of person controls her health and well-being. That's what she wants Jody Montgomery to be. On June 22nd of 2021, shortly before Britney was set to speak to the court, the New York Times obtained confidential court documents stating that Britney had been pushed for years, had pushed for years, sorry, to end her conservatorship. So little does the public know, she's been trying to get out of this for quite a long time. Yeah. Britney spoke to the court on June 23rd, calling the conservatorship abusive and revealing a lot more things about the state of her conservatorship, confirming what most people were thinking at this point. She said, quote, I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and happy. If I said that enough, maybe I'd become happy. I'm in shock. I'm traumatized. I'm so angry it's insane. I'm scared of people. I don't trust people with what I've been through. It's not okay to force me to do anything I don't want to do. I truly believe this conservatorship is abusive. I don't feel like I can live a full life. Yeah. That, that does it. In her 24-minute statement, Brittany revealed that she had been forced to perform against her will forced to undergo treatment she did not consent to, forced to have an IUD put in place or to keep it in place. That's kind of blurry. But she wants to have another child, and she can't because she has. she's not allowed to take the IUD out. Brittany was not allowed to drive or travel or entertain visitors in her home that had not been approved. There is also a small matter of her estate. Brittany is currently, currently worth $59 million, which seems high to peasants like us, but is actually shockingly low given how much she had earned over her lifetime and how little she has spent in the past 12 years. Where did it go? Her father isn't living a lavish lifestyle. You said he lives in a, outside a warehouse or something. Yeah, the New York Times wrote, and I saw it in a couple of other articles, that he's, like, living in an RV now, like, outside of a warehouse that's holding all of Britney's, like, memorabilia. That's sad. And his documented yearly income is, like, $120,000 a year, which is not luxurious at all. That's no. getting by. Mm-hmm. Um, but her lawyer, Andrew Wallet, and financial conservator, was making close to a half a million dollars a year. Mm. That still doesn't explain for millions and millions of dollars being gone, but... Right. As Britney spoke to the court, lots of celebrities also cheered her on, including Cher, Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey, Brandy, Halsey, Liz Fair, Rose McGowan, Justin Timberlake, Kathy Griffin, Khloe Kardashian, and Elon Musk. Nobody cares about you. 
fans, I do. You, I care about him. Do you? I care about what he's doing. Yes. Okay. Fans reached out to her <laughs> collaborators also, like Iggy Azalea, but Iggy expressed her support while also stating that she had to, during, you said they worked together, mm-hmm. she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement and expected that Jamie would sue her if she broke it in any way. Yeah. That's probably why you don't hear anything from people that work yeah. with her. Though, I do know something about, I'm still amazed that this girl could say anything because I'm not sure how this works, but she was her hairstylist, hair and makeup, during 2008, so for okay. like about a year. And she said near the end of it, so this would have been when she was going to go on her uh, circus tour. Mm-hmm. So she's actually the one that's in the documentary. Okay. Um, She said that near the end of everything, at one point they asked her, I think Larry Rudolph and Jamie, like she was asked Mm -hmm. to do a lie detector test (gasps) and where they would ask her questions like, what did Brittany talk to you about? Because she got very close to Brittany and Mm -hmm. she was there and they did sleepovers and she was like a friend to Brittany as well as like helping to get her hair back into like a functioning order. Oh my God, her poor hair. And uh, so they like... And she felt very uncomfortable about it, but it was something that I guess a lot of people that worked close to her had to do. And she was, and she, the way that she talks about it now is very much just like, I learned a lot from that whole experience. This was before I realized that like even a hairstylist, like in LA was even supposed to have like agency, like any, you know? And so she's like, I, there's a lot of things that I know now that I probably shouldn't have done. They are not supposed to be polygraphed though. That's not a thing. If you work with a celebrity, you might have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, but you you rarely have mm-hmm. to be polygraphed. But they like want to know what she's talking about, which is private. awful. That's not that's mm-hmm. so unethical. That doesn't go under the guise of yeah. anything. That's mm, this is where I get really mad. <sighs> the court statement that Britney gave obviously got enormously widespread media coverage and over a million shares on Twitter, over 500,000 messages using the hashtag Free Britney, and more than 150,000 messages with a new hashtag referencing the court, ap- court appearance quote, um, sorry, hashtag Britney Speaks. On July 1st, 2021, the Bessemer Trust, who she wanted to be in charge of her money, asked the judge to allow them to withdraw from the conservatorship saying that they had been misled and had entered into the agreement on the understanding that the conservatorship was voluntary. So they didn't know it was forced. When they found out it was forced, they wanted no part of it. The same day, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bob Casey Jr. called on federal agencies to increase oversight of the country's conservatorship system. Britney's manager of 25 years, Larry Rudolph, resigned on July 6th, citing her, quote, intention to officially retire, Britney's intention, that is, And later that same day, it was reported that Britney's court-appointed lawyer, Samuel Ingham, planned to file documents to the court asking to be dismissed. Many see Larry Rudolph's retirement as a continual collapse of the house of cards that Britney had been imprisoned in for years. So people are seeing this as everyone's jumping ship. Right. Like nothing good is going to come out of this for the people that are legally involved, so they're all leaving. Right. In three days, Britney will once again appear in court. I believe it's on July 15th. Currently, to dissolve her conservatorship, she has to submit a formal petition to a judge. The case is still very much moving, but as it stands, this is where we are today. So we can speculate and add anything I couldn't fit in if we want. First off, Brittany claims to have been forced to take lithium. That's the drug she says they made her take that she didn't want to take, which leads me to believe if I was forced to hazard a guess as to what she could have been diagnosed with, it's probably something like bipolar disorder. Mm Mm-hmm. Bipolar disorder can cause dangerous and unpredictable manic episodes, just like we saw with Elisa Lamb. 
So we know just how dangerous that can be. Right. But millions of people walk around with bipolar every day without having a legal guardian controlling their lives. Yeah. They just, they do need support, but not a conservatorship. Yeah. Someone checking in with her would be helpful, but someone controlling, like you said to me in a previous conversation, what color she paints her cabinets is not hardly a requirement. Yeah, the girl just wants, she wanted to do a home reno and in her kitchen, and it wasn't like a big project. She just wanted to stay in her cabinets. No one should have that. She shouldn't have someone telling her whether she can or cannot do that. That's nuts. Yeah, I don't understand. Let her go for drives with Sam, you know? Let her drive in general. <laughs> she never got into, like, car accidents or anything. It's not like she was killing people with her car. No, she could drive with a baby on her lap. Yeah, she was fine. She had a Starbucks in one hand and a baby in the other, and she's still driving. Amazing. I can't do that. I'd die. <laughs> You also mentioned earlier, Leslie, that she probably had a lot of um, postpartum depression issues. For sure. A hundred percent. There's no way that she couldn't. No. And especially with the pressure cooker she was putting up to, put into leading up to her breakdowns. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of like very good, good reasons for her to have had those moments. Maybe she was having a manic episode. And if she is, that's fine. Again, there's no reason for her to be her whole life to be signed over to somebody else. Even if she had like a psychotic disorder, there are lots of people in this world who have schizophrenia and they are not, they don't have a legal guardian. They just take their medicine and live their life. Right. And it could have been various things, which is why it got so bad. Yeah. But it could also just be, I don't, I mean, I know so many women who are, because a lot of times when you think of like postpartum, yeah, and because I'm, you know, I have haven't had my own babies yet, so I know originally I thought like postpartum depression was like where you didn't want your child at all. Well, but for I've some learned people. for some people exactly, but I've learned now with a lot of my friends having them where they're like, no, I had postpartum, but like I was also just overly attached to my child, but then also like. Like, I was overstimulated yeah. as well, and it was a weird feeling. And that's almost what I feel like was happening to Brittany because she always wanted her babies but then was also over being touched. Well, being overstimulated is definitely a big thing for, a, like, a parent, yes. a, a new parent. Like, I definitely had issues with that where I just had moments where I needed to walk away because it's so much all the mm-hmm. time. But also, you got to think she was being continuously stimulated by – paparazzi and by people exactly. who wanted her to do things. I mean, someone was grabbing at her at every moment of her life. I, I just, I don't see her break down as a break with reality. I see it as desperate cries for help. Mm-hmm. But again, just like her, the lawyer she wanted said, we don't know what we don't know. Right. So we can speculate all day long on what is wrong with Britney Spears, but I don't know that any of us will ever get it right. I know. I know. I do feel like the closest thing might be the bipolar. I do too. Um, Again, I'm not sure. a professional. No, but we are professional Instagram viewers. and <sighs> Yeah, and I mean, if you want to see what a manic episode looks like, go back to our Elisa Lamb episode. Uh, look in the show notes. There are links to her journal entries when she wrote in manic episodes. We t- I read one in the episode on Elisa Lamb. That is a perfect and well-documented example of someone having a very dangerous manic episode. And there are lots of other ones. I listen to other podcasts. I've mentioned the podcast called This Is Actually Happening Before. This is not a solicited endorsement. I just like it. I think it's interesting. But they have an episode where a per- where someone chronicles their own manic break with reality. Oh, okay. 
And it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. They, like, were locked up. They thought they were Jesus. A lot of things happened. Right. But, I mean, it's it's possible. And and if she has something like that, then, yes, it would be useful for her to have someone help her. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't need someone to live her life for her. And that brings us neatly into conspiracies because we are at so much time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what I said to Leslie before we began is that if I was forced to say— what circumstance, like if you have to answer this question, what circumstance would merit the position she's in right now? The only thing I can think of is that she had some sort of massive head injury and had the reasoning of a child. To which I told Holly. She did have a head injury. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we don't know what we don't know. I know. Yeah, so after when she got that camera knocked on her head— just fell right on her head. And then they don't really address it. So weird. But I always worried about her since then. I mean, <laughs> truly, the only reason you would need a legal guardian over every aspect of your life, short of having dementia, which she clearly doesn't have because she's in the mm -hmm. public eye all the time, is if for some reason you had the brain of a child. Right. Which, okay, so... Something I think that's important to note is, and we've talked about it before, but, uh, and I think it's an actual syndrome almost, okay. but uh, there's that theory of when you become famous. When you get famous, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so when you become famous at a certain age, that's the age that you kind of mentally stay. That's why so many um, famous people are in therapy because they need mm -hmm. to like help themselves develop beyond the age in which they got famous. Right. And one of the things that I noticed for certain celebrities that seem to have aged well, but that they were kind of always in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I think it's, for most of them, they take time off. They have, just like with a, a, a young, just, okay, for someone like us, if, you know, some people after college or after high school, sometimes they need some time before yeah, they go to college. For sure. And most of those kids that do take some time, like a year off and they do something else, yeah, they usually are a bit more mature than all of us are. Absolutely. I feel like I wish I, I had done didn't that. I I feel like because I went to college, I really didn't mature until like another four years later. Agreed. I feel the same way, for sure. It just yeah. And I and until you have some like real life experiences mm -hmm. and you have some time to learn about yourself and who you are. And I don't feel like Brittany ever really got to do that. No. And she even says she always talks about how bored she is, that she feels like she lives a groundhog day existence. Of course and it looks like that. Look at her looks, Instagram. And that was prior to her conservatorship. Yeah. So now imagine imagine that and then her life leading up to I mean, I guess this major point where she was trying to go back to court and everything, but then the pandemic happened. That can only be worse. Well, her life in the pandemic honestly looks like someone locked in a prison. Yeah. It's just her in that marble front room of her mm -hmm. house dancing and spinning and her eyeliner is all over her face and she's trying to live her life. Yeah. It looks unhinged, but I also, like, cannot blame her. Mm-hmm. She's by herself all the time, too. Yeah. Just with Sam. Which I feel like Does he live with her. I can't tell. Nobody I can't can tell, tell her. You can't tell. I don't know. I I do think that they broke up in in um like early 
2020 oh, really? at one point. Just because of some of her posts that kind of looked like it. She put like a sad tiger or lion photo She's up. She's lioness. And then, right. And it was like a sad photo. Aww. And then it was, uh, there was something else too about like, a sh- like another quote that was about, you know, like losing the person you love and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. something. But then I don't know if it's partly, I mean, maybe they were just going through something, but then also because of the pandemic, maybe they were living together and maybe they were like there. a lot of people who uh, were in even new relationships ended up quarantining yeah, together. but either way, they seem very happy now and they're very cute. And I feel like even though Sam is definitely getting, like some people think that he's like exploiting her a little bit. Yeah, but I, I, I think I it's to touch hard. On this. But I feel like it's hard no matter what, if you are dating any kind of celebrity, I think it's hard not to get some of that back in return. Of course. And I feel like he does a really good job of it because she's not, he doesn't have like all these videos with her. No, his whole he, Instagram grid isn't Britney. No. It's himself, but like occasionally they do something. Right. And it then looks it looks cute and it looks yeah. nice, but I feel like he's very, I didn't, like you wouldn't even know that she was dating him if you didn't no. really know about That's true. them. You know? So I I think it's fine. I I like I him. like boyfriend Sam. Yeah, he's 13 years younger than her. He is. Which I think is good for her because she's a little immature. Oh, for sure. I mean, she can yeah. identify with people younger. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I am not super suspect of boyfriend Sam. I know some people are, and with good reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he appears in her life. He's this, like, way younger, super hot guy who is suddenly, like, at her beck and call. And he did come out of almost nowhere. Um, but... At the same time, she's beautiful and famous and charming, so... It's Britney Spears. It's Britney, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I mean, I wish I had more of a re- resolution for you guys, but that is, those are all of the facts. I don't know that I've left out any more except for, like, legit conspiracy theories, which uh, we're going to go spill over to Patreon content in a second because we need to be done this episode. <sighs> I don't think her Instagram is full of codes. No. There are a lot of people who do. I think that do. it's fun. It's so fun. I think that I I don't think it's full of code codes. I think that she does say things in them. Sure, but I also don't I think, think she has one hundred percent control of it. Yeah, I you can't know. I don't no. know. We don't know what we don't know. Right. And framing Britney Spears in the end of the documentary calls her unknowable, mm-hmm. and that resonated with me because. For uh, as much as we all feel like we know her, none of us ever can. I don't know that even people close to her can totally know her because of what she's been through. Right. Which is sad. For sure. So, toast? Toast. Just Brittany. To Brittany. Just Brittany. She's the only one that gets our attention this Brittany week. Jean Spears. Brittany Jean Spears. Oh, we hope you get out of this, girl. And nobody is dead here but... If we were locked away in a tower and nobody listened to our cries for help, we would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Oh my God, I love wedgies and milkshakes.